This is massive to me because I think at the moment I really need a jump start to get back to what I was at Sligo and um, that was big for me. And the finish there, my goodness, he held out in the end. Oh, fucking hell, we Episode 226 and it's me Gary P and of course the prof Carl Riley. It's a new year, Tifties is back. Happy new year to all hoopers out there and a, uh, I hope you're all fresh and well prof. Fresh and well. Fresh and well so 226 in the new year and uh, we are on the cusp of greatness prof. The cusp of greatness. Biggest your season. your new Yeah the cusp possibly the biggest season uh, in the history of the club. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> just a little, just little four in a row. Yeah, and of course, Leicester credit and Ocean Electrical, the um, the the globe trotting Ocean Electrical. I think, he, I think he might be registering himself as a tax, um, exile at this stage because he's never in the country. <laughs> uh, yeah. So check out Leicester credit and Ocean Electrical, of course. So the prop is the first show twenty twenty three, and um, yeah, looking forward to it. What's your New Year resolution? Well, that's one of the hotline questions, uh, which I've put no thought into. I don't, I'm not I really don't, one for I'm New not, Year's resolutions. I'm not that guy either, man. I, I mean, and if I had one, I'd just break it on the first day. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just a fad, really, isn't it? I don't really care for them. But obviously, you're you're starting a new year. You could think of different ways to better yourself, of course. But we're going to move on anyway, Prof. Like we said, for show 2023, we're going to talk silly season transfer rumors, pre-season friendlies, and a new edition of the Tifties Hotline with over a dozen dialers. And this is a mental set of questions yeah you've outdone yourself again <laughs> it is it's uh, it's it's yeah, that's what you like though you like a bit of variety that's what we want we also asked way too many people on but you know what it was worth it because <laughs> no it was, I, I loved it man. there's a lot of entertainment in these no, answers definitely yeah definitely very good how was your crimbo prof I had a great one as usual drinking and eating like a pig suffering for it now back on the stairmaster in the gym prof and sweat it's bucket now, me. It's pure alcohol and turkey, but we're getting there. Uh, mixed, mixed Christmas free, mixed emotions. What with the the lovely food and then the food poisoning in the week afterwards. Uh, oh, prof. Yeah, that, so both both um, that orifices that yeah. you use probably the most the the most used orifices that you have. Or, or, the, what's the plural for orifice? Orifice. The less detail, the better about this experience. To be honest, uh, I'm not really looking to go into it, other than to say that it was uh, horrifying for about four days. It's going around. Um, 
But we had um, nephew and uncle or nephew and brother-in-law have it at the minute as well. So something's going around. Probably. The only thing I've not had really in the last three months is this thing that's going around. I've had COVID. I've had food poisoning, but I've not had this mysterious flu that everyone's getting for a week. Do you know what it was like? It was like someone just came over, right, and punched me in the face as hard as they could. And that feeling that you get when you get a dig in the nose, that constant, that weird feeling that you get and your eyes water and it's it's like a shock to the system. It's like that, but for two days. Jesus. So, battered for two days. At one stage, everybody in Ireland was sick, I think. Yeah. It was about no, a week there where just everyone... Chesty. Them. Everybody was chesty. Everybody was just really unwell. Yeah, but I had a couple of nights out. First of all, um, Eamon McConville, um, whose dad made that, that funny little uh, Christmas card that was going around. Um, but yeah, Eamon was back from the States and he wanted to try the Green Ribbon in the Four Provinces. So uh, we had an old point there just before Christmas. Very romantic here. Very just, romantic. just the two of us. So uh, was he happy? Yeah, he was happy. And do you know what? I was happy as well because I I, I went on the, the Green Ribbon because he was and I said, you know what? I'll just, I will have it because he is. And five points later, I was loving it. Oh, banjoed before Captain's Rose. And I didn't even throw up the next morning, which is <laughs> incredible for me with beer because I'm not a beer drinker anymore. So that's the greatest compliment I can give you, Gary. Uh, no, no throwing up. It didn't make me throw up. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and then the following week, you know that... You know that time in between Christmas and New Year where, where you don't know what day it is? You don't know what day it is. You feel like having a point with mates but they all either have plans or they're, they don't know what they're doing but we set this date up in advance. It said let's bunch of us go into town when it's quiet. It's a Friday wasn't it? Yeah it was yeah. a Friday. And uh, you, you and Nate were on it from a very early hour so by the time I kind of mixed with everyone about six we were at different stages yeah, of uh, was a bad idea. merriness, shall yeah. we say. Two o'clock. We were treating like an away day. And, and we went yeah. to the two. Started in the brazen head, which I don't think I'll ever be back to, let's be honest. Absolute tourist trap, 6.50 for Shoei Guinness. Went around to Tom Kennedy's. And it's all a blur. You can tell me what happens next, prop. What was the one after Tom Kennedy's? Uh, Brogan's Lord Edward. Do you, know, do you know how I found out, right? I went onto my AIB app the next day and I just did geography by the points of the transactions. Yeah. So I was like, right, that's where the last point was. Going through the points on the transactions. It was like, lovely. Oh, you have to, you have to remind me again what this, what this bear was. But anyway, the one that Ozzy Knight was uh, refused in <laughs> after a while. And uh, this is a cracker this is from, brilliant. from Deco. So at this stage, this stage me, and, me and Ozzy Knight are actually having the... We're talking about the documentary. Were you having which, one of these backseat two in the morning <laughs> on the back of the bus job but, uh, conversations? Again, another thing, I'm not going to go into detail about the documentary because it stalled there for a while. But Nate was asking me these really interesting problem questions and I was surprised. I was like, he is locked out of his bin. But he's actually <laughs> asking me very good questions and he just seemed really interested. So... And then I just see in the in the group chat, yeah, Nate, uh, they wouldn't serve him anymore. I got kicked out. I was like, that Nate? But uh, yeah, Deco just goes to this the next day. He said, so this is Deco. He said, I, I said to the barman, what's the problem? And the barman said, your mate's had too much. He's slurring his words and he's very loud. And Deco said, he's Australian. That's how he talks. And the barman had to think about it for a second. And then he goes, 
No, I don't think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Valiant attempt. <laughs> Valiant effort, I have to say. Um, yeah, so great night out. Tifties night out with all the bogeys and uh, it's good to see everybody uh, everybody enjoying their Christmas. Um, we'll move on to Noel Hunt, Prof. Noel Hunt last month, very, very popular. And uh, you went down a tree. Yeah, one of the hotline questions is uh, pick your favourite podcast features. And Noel Hunt got mentioned several times. At first I was thinking, is just just because of, is this recency bias maybe? But no, actually a lot of people seem to enjoy yeah, it, which is great. Definitely a good show. Phelan. Cracking interview with Noel Hunt, and that for me settles it about the goal of Barry for Ireland in 2009. Great goal, Noel. I was behind that goal, memorable moment, class act, great chat. That I can't, I can't believe they actually gave that the rugby game because for me it's clear as day. On the, I think it's clear as day. I wonder if we're watching the same footage because I watched maybe, maybe, the maybe, behind maybe. the goal is the one I'm looking at. Oh yeah, the behind no, the goal. I'm seeing the TV footage. Ah, oh, the behind the, the the couple of replays, the behind the goal replay settles it. I need to check out that one. Oh, the, the one I saw, I, I said it was impossible because I just see two legs come up together. But my first thought was, it looks kind of like Hunty has hit it and Keane has just sort of followed up. Yeah, You can't tell on the replay you watch. Absolutely no. not. But behind the goal? Plus, listening to Noel himself, how certain he is. Why, why would he be so certain? So, yeah. We Connor's corner reaction as well. It's back with a bang, prof. Back with a bang. Um, Again, because at, so, at times, like I was thinking, we're going too deep here. <laughs> so we're, we're hitting that's, them hard, like that's always in the back of my mind. Yeah, actually, he came up to me and worked there the other day. He only finally got round to listen to it. Comes up and he goes, "So they're all made up." I listen to the podcast. You made half of them up. I said, "Do not question prof's journalistic integrity." <laughs> That's what I said to him. I Do you said, know? I said, Barry, these are all copied and pasted word for word. I don't even have the imagination to make up these things that you said. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Mostly positive. I know someone texted you and said, yeah, I don't I don't get it. Well, <laughs> like, who's Barry? Who's <laughs> Barry? Uh, I think some people were just laughing to my laughter. Uh, <laughs> so it was uh, Emma, Emma Wheatley said that. I don't that. know what one where you burst out. <laughs> Do you know what that was? It was like... Stinks and stones. Yeah. It's because you and I are obviously... We're looking at the next one. And then I see you. And you're trying to not laugh. And then uh, I'm laughing at you and not tr- trying not to laugh. And then I can't stop. Um, yeah, Darren said, If you're ever in a bad mood, just listen to Prof laughing uncontrollably. Yeah. So I think that's what made me laugh. It's just a, it's a, it's a slippery slope. And uh, Barry, he still hasn't seen his own movie, I think. Uh, Cocaine Bear. We need to... It's a real film about a bear that ingested a lot of coke and goes on a rampage. Looking at the trailer, I actually, I don't watch many trailers because I feel like they give away way too much of the movie. So I almost That's never a valid watch. Point, yeah. I almost never watch trailers now. But for that one, I did because of what it was about, and it was two minutes long, and there was so much shit happening aside from the bear. I'm like, why are they overcomplicating this? Just make it about the bear. <laughs> Going mad, but um, yeah. So that was that was a uh, young Connor Foley. And speaking of the youth, care the youth, problem. the youth. This prime craze fascinates me. Yeah, it's a uh, bottle of prime, <laughs> wakey wine. Wakey, it doesn't. Uh, my kids are really interested in it at all. They've never ever asked Thank me God. once. They don't because that's what I was going to ask you. Like, no, they've if, never even mentioned. If, it. if you were put in that position as a parent, you were like, all my mates have this prime. 
Can you get it for me for 100 quid? Yeah, you're going to get it. Yeah, you're going to do it. It doesn't matter what. But in the same space, I'd probably say, I'd probably fucking have words with your man selling it. You know what I mean? Same wankers who go and buy Playstations and double the price. Hmm. And you have the poor parents running around, scattering around, collecting money and trying to get a few quid to get it to buy it. But it's nuts. It's nuts. It really is. But your man, from what I was hearing, he doesn't sell them for 100. He's doing that to go viral. (laughs) <laughs> and then you go in and it's like 20 quid a can or whatever but it's uh, it's it, he, he knows how to get publicity that's it's for clear sure. what he spent it on as well going yeah. by the the follow up TikTok video uh, well he's having a crack isn't he well then yeah uh, Liam Bird was actually selling him at one stage on Instagram I think that was tongue in cheek though I don't yeah I don't think so I think those days are gone now maybe if he was with Bose <laughs> yeah so uh, like you said Prof we kept it down and real during the holidays, Tifties were the only ones who didn't take annual leave. We were out there podcasting for all you people. Do you know what? I'm I'm in work and I'm kind of bored, and I'm 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 seventy eighty percent of the podcasts I listen to throughout the year are football, but it's this time of year from January first to like late January. I keep on searching all the podcasts. I'm saying, oh, maybe they'll they'll come back and they'll do something or have an interview, and and I search and it's like, nope. Nope. I've had nope, a load nope, myself. Nope, I actually nope. haven't listened to a podcast now. Nobody is doing anything. Yeah. Prof keeping you, your ears full. Um, speaking of work, someone came up to me in work and said, When's the air con back? The air con? The air con. Oh, the air con. They're not still calling that, are they? Jesus. Who, the air con league. <laughs> he didn't even say the word league. He just said, When's the air con back? Another fellow. Um, he's he's one of those Christmas casuals. Although he's, he's actually still there now, but um, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. The the real culture. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, do you know? Do you ever get people asking you about the podcast and you tell them about it, and you say, "What's it called?" And you say, uh, "Tales from the East End." And you, yeah. And so, sorry, say it again. What was it? Tales from the East End. And you're like, "I know you're gonna forget that tomorrow. That's okay. I know you're not that interested. Yeah, yeah. No problem whatsoever." Came back to me the next day. And said, I listened to 40 minutes of your podcast. That's what he said to me. He goes, very funny. <laughs> I'm like, why? I was like, that's random, man. Why did you listen to it? Yeah, fair fucks. <laughs> He's a guy, man. He's like, no interest. And we also had Fielder. Fielder's folks came over to him there in Perth, Australia. The famous Tommy Fields from uh, Flock of Boards. He's yeah. over in uh, Perth with young Fielder. They put the video up on Facebook, Totemosh, the old family reunion there at Christmas. And... They were also on a podcast, which I listened to, it's quite good, called the Irish in Perth podcast. I think Fields has been on it a few times. So yeah. Sean and Tommy were both on it together, uh, just talking about why he moved over, why he wants to stay there, the lifestyle. And um, yeah, it was actually very good, isn't it? I, I recommend it. And we were kind of talking about... Where did you listen to this podcast, bro? In work. Is that right? Uh, on my break during <laughs> non-regulation hours, and this came up because another, another lad in, in the in the chat is uh, from Australia, Steve Siri, former Ultras uh, Supremo, and I think I think when the discussion came up about longest away trips. Oh, did you see the map? So he he pointed out this one and he said, if you look at the top level of Australia, the A League. Uh, Perth, Perth Glory, the team that uh, McAniff now plays for, they're the only team on the West Coast. Every other team is on the far side. 
And of course you have Wellington who are in New Zealand. So Perth to New Zealand, Wellington, is 5,300 kilometres. It's the longest trip in top flight football. Well, what's the flight What's the flight time? I actually didn't see the flight time. It's nuts, isn't it? I presume they're not getting uh, trains, planes and automobiles. I don't think airside do jets. And then Steve goes, and people moan when we have a midweek fixture away to like to draw it. I know, it's nuts. That's crazy. I was trying to get Fiesel to do uh, a little report from a game. Seeing McInniff play live. Oh for, yeah, for the yeah. program. He's actually there quite regularly as well. I think he goes to a lot of games. You haven't been, they're bottom of the league after. That's what I was going to say. They're struggling. Eight, nine, ten games maybe, but uh, he's after getting injured now. Um, the, the the news said four games, but Fraser says, "Oh geez, I'm hearing it could be three months." Oh, no, could be a three months. So all the best recovery to Aaron Mack. But uh, yeah, so unfortunately we have some bad news and it's rest in peace to Rovers fan Derek Eagers. He loved coming to the matches every Friday with his wife, Eilish. So uh, our condolences to the family. Right, so Prof, Tifty's hotline, here we go. The questions. What, in your opinion, has been our best podcast feature in the second half of 2022? June 16th to December 23rd episodes only. Please pick a 1, 2 and 3. See list below. Former player interviews. Richie Bourne, Luco DeMecchio, Tommy Stewart, Mick Cook. Winston meets Terry Everson, Dominic Foley, ex-Gent striker, John Kyo, the 1966 Ireland Cup story, Billy Dennehy, James Kenny, Oscar Janssen, Ray Kenny and Noel Hunt. And the Irishmen abroad were Sean McCarthy in Malta, Anto Wilkes in Mexico and Gary Hogan in Norway, ex-goalkeeper. You don't have to read out all the European experts, it's basically the guys that we you had spared from me, eh? Malta, Bulgaria, uh, Macedonia, the shite one. Hungary, Sweden, Belgium, Norway, and we also had a banger Celtic opposition view with uh, Eddie Kearney and Aidan Marr as well. Mm-hmm. So we, then we had all the Tifty's Hotline themes. Yeah, we fired as day, Malta edition, overseas edition, August with Podge. Uh, Europe, hoop scene and volunteering team in September, photographer's edition, October. Winter edition with Pico and Robbie Hogg. When you think about what what, what you've done there, it's some, it's some spread. Some amount of content, uh, right? Tifty's in memoriam and Tony Eustace. Connor's Corner, special guests and other interviews with Paul McGrath, Chef Ray Wheel and Ray Wheel Sr., Nicola Coffey, the stadium manager, Con Murphy and Graham Garland. So that's what they had Number to choose from. Yeah. I love Philip O'Connor. I thought he was brilliant. A good talker and very, very listenable. Uh, I love the one with Mexico. Um, Anthony Wilkes, fantastic stuff. That got a shout actually in one of the answers. Yeah, excellent stuff. Uh, 2A. Uh, where and when do you usually listen to Tifties? B. What's the strangest place you've ever listened to it? Three A. Remember what? last time we asked that question that we got some good answers with James McLean or uh, James Keen, Jason McLean uh, listening in the bath. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was your personal highlight of the twenty twenty two World Cup? God, um, I put some thought into this one actually. I thought Morocco was pretty good. I like an underdog story. I well, liked Morocco's celebrations when they beat Spain. With their mothers? Just with everyone. Do you know what? I meant to say that on the last show. I think I was watching on ITV, right? And they kept the cameras on Morocco celebrating. And it was just... It wasn't just... It was, it was different, you know? They were going to the stands. Mm. They were hugging. They were. The manager was coming on. It was all... It was just... I loved watching it. And they had the, the pundits talk over that, right? I flicked over to RTE just out of curiosity. 
they left the pitch ages ago and they were in the bland little studio You're looking and I'm like Kenny Cunningham what are you doing yeah soak it in like this is great TV yeah. but um yeah highlights um say Morocco Messi I suppose a lot of people picked him finally getting his hands in the World Cup Harry Kane's penal that was a highlight I thought the Argentina manager himself Scaloni I thought his story was actually fascinating yeah, considering cool. the job he went into and he was a relative unknown uh, Messi's assist versus Croatia uh, that was amazing yeah. Martinez with doing the putting the trophy oh yeah uh, the yeah. globe trophy on his, his groin region Overall, uh, it was actually a very, very enjoyable World Cup. Let's be honest. It was, yeah. Let's be honest. My, my lowlights were uh, Var, uh, Lillian Thram's son playing in the World Cup, making me feel like a pensioner. <laughs> uh, Ray Houghton's chewing on the RT Soccer podcast for an oh, hour. Oh, God. Um, yeah, they're my lowlights. Uh, personal highlight. No, no, hold on. Uh, yeah, so the best and worst TV punter during the tournament. Um... Let's be honest, the worst is Damien Duff <laughs> and his horrendous dress sense. And Stephen Kelly. He looking like a fucking circus ringleader at one stage. Not a guy who welcomes you to the circus. <laughs> uh, whoever dresses him needs to be fucking sacked. Is He's a terrible pundit. He really is. Keem, brilliant. Um, I love Didi Human. I think he's straight shooter, straight to the point. Um, and... Other than that, actually, Cocoms, I know he, I don't think he went in the World Cup, but Gary Breen. Gary Breen is my favourite Cocom. I don't remember hearing him in a game. He's a Essex, was London, R- Cockney R-T-E, guy. I don't think it? he was. In, I don't think he did, but in general, whenever I see him, I think it's Premier Sports. Whenever he's on, he's brilliant. He's excellent. Mm. Listen out for him, right? He's very, very good. He's um, in, he's insightful, does his homework, brilliant. And he's easy to listen to. I, I'm a big fan of him. The World Cup... Uh, Keane Keane's great my favourite commentator is actually Andy McCoist yeah I did, think he's did you hear his Keane story um, worst pundits yeah Stephen Kelly just something about his voice is just so boring and bland it's like he's on the verge of puberty isn't it he's just about to become a man and his voice is breaking it's something <laughs> about it I don't know what it is but I've, I, I, I'm not mad about well, it maybe I'm not answering the question properly there because they're commentators Um I don't think I had a pundit that actually pissed me off that much just in the studio because don't, don't fucking brain because it, 9 times out of 10 I'd be on ITV and it would be Keane and Sunis and BBC would be like Lineker, Shearer do you know what I was going to say probably Shearer is the most bland yeah. pundits ever he's not entertaining at all I think Mark Lawrence he's gone now but I think he was the worst ever because he just did not want to be there. They were paying to send him over to World Cups. And he sounded like he was held prisoner. I'm like, mate, <laughs> don't don't go then. Why are you why are you subjecting us to your voice? Uh, for right, where did you did you go any special for Christmas and the what did Sandy get you? I went to the usual. The the missus family went over to them, spent a couple of days there. The usual socks and jocks for Christmas prop. Sandy got me a vomiting bug. <laughs> New Year's resolution we went through that not really bothered with them are we um, four in a row how about that there's a new resolution <laughs> and to fill the north stand that's that's our new, our new year's resolution what meal is especially that you cook yourself for me do you know what I think it's a nice a nice steak and onions steak onions mushrooms pepper sauce we're gonna go homemade chips homemade mash 
Nice bit of coleslaw. Solid, solid steak and chips. That's me. I'm only cooking recently, to be honest. I'm, I'm not great. I can't cook for my life. <laughs> uh, Rustler's Burger. I'm going to go straight to favourite takeaway food. Oh, <coughs> right. I'll be here. Right, I'm going to go Golden Bamboo, Nailstown, House Curry, Egg Fried Rice, Half Portion Chicken Balls, Spring Rolls, <laughs> Chow Mein Noodles, the skinny ones, Dry, loads of, loads of onions, um, Salt and Chili Prawns, Loads of curry sauce. It's all about the curry sauce. It has to be perfect. And then, believe it or not, Prof, I do like a Camille. <laughs> yeah, Camille's in my options, in my uh, choices you're a, well. You're a fan of Camille. It's nap worthy, isn't it? Crispy ch- uh, chili chicken um, from Camille. Uh, Indian, I go with tiki masala from Tadga House quite often. And pizza... Um, I actually used to go pizza baker. I, it's I got to be Gino. I go, go local. local. I go local. I think I've had nearly every single version of pizza they had at this stage. So often I'm going. So they'd be kind of my three. Um, do you go to many Rovers preseason games? Me and Prof don't really go to them. I, tr- I tried to go to the Lugamut, but I think we spoke about it before. It's like watching your dinner being cooked, isn't it? You know, you know, you're looking at it. And it's not exactly right. You can't have it yet. It's not meaningful until it comes out of the oven. You know, it's. It's one of those things. It's just so unbearably cold at those games. <sighs> this Lucan game is going to be minus four or five. We know it's going to be. But also, it is in Roadstone as well, three o'clock this Saturday. Mm. It's been in the celebrators the last yeah. four or five years, isn't it? This Albany Cranley with Lucan. So that Lucan, the Molly O'Toole Cup, it's going to be in uh, Roadstone, I, yeah? I do. I'm kind of interested in the last one, though. <laughs> the last one in Tala, the week before the season begins, because Brazil will normally pick his best 11 in that one. So... I probably would go to that friendly. Hmm. Uh, funniest or fondest memory of preseason friendly? None of these can be aired. <laughs> At Lone, Twig, preseason friendly. Twig's debut. That was good. Um, but I, 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 geez, I'll, I'll be arrested if I talk about the trip home. But yeah, no, preseason. They can be good crack. Uh, we went to Galway. Galway was a good good week last year. We went there for the night. Me, Lavelle, a few of the other uh, reprobates. Other than that, um, I'm not too fond of them. Of get, you know, you kind of just want to get the minutes into their legs, and you can't you can't take anything from it. Normally, the games are terrible. So, mm. I, I don't have one particular stand-up memory, but it's just I've, I think I've been to the Lucan one a couple of times. And it is quite fun when there's one or two players troilous. Yeah. And then Facebook or WhatsApp or whatever, you're trying to piece it together. And eventually the, the <laughs> screenshot, the Wikipedia page will come in like, that's who he is. Yeah, 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 there he is. So that, that is quite funny. Daddy Cool will be back as well, Prof. Gary Shaw will be playing against yeah. us on Saturday. So welcome return for Daddy Cool, former player of the year, Sean McRovers. Um, most iconic goal celebration you've seen live in the Tala era. Now we did say Tala era here, but most people interpret this question as Tala. So, um, I mean, you could have said Bray or UCD when won the league. I'm going to say Galway away, both games. <laughs> Absolute insanity. Run on the pitch and all, yeah. Fucking brilliant. Tommy Kelly thought we drew. Um, <laughs> had to be Twig at home. The the first ever derby. That was unbelievable. And I was saying to you, you could interpret this different ways. You can interpret it as an individual player celebration like Twiggy sitting down yeah, with yeah, those yeah. fans or like a a bunch of players with pandemonium like Shells last year. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to go with Bocker as well. Bocker in B'nai Yehuda. That was an unbelievable celebration on the pitch, not in the stands. Now, I'm talking about the ones in the stands beforehand, but the one in the mm. pitch, I always remember it was Jaden's first game and you just saw it was madness. Everybody mm-hmm. piling on, it was deadly. I'm actually going to say Shells last season because I just love how everyone got involved. Like, the dugout emptied. Players were running around. The staff were hugging. The f- I looked around. The stands was it was absolute madness. Bedlam. Um, the worst refereeing decision you've witnessed in a Rovers game in the Tala era. There's been a few, but it was been a couple of ones that are you'll you'll hear now that are uh, prevalent in this. I think Grace's handball. I no one. I don't think anybody mentioned Budimer in the four 0 against Pats at home. Yeah, good show. Uh, nobody, nobody mentioned that. He, that, that was one of the worst referee displays. I've he ever gave seen. them two penalties, and he get he had Derek Foran two red, red card. cards for us. Honestly, I couldn't believe how bad it was. I know, I, know I told the story before. Yeah. I always had a, had a, an argument with a ref about it, the ref assessor, and um, unbelievable, unbelievably bad performance. And then you were saying uh, Bocker was saying that he he was giving he was trying to find out who the little cork ref was. And uh, <laughs> we thought it was Tom Connolly, but I think it could have been Bortimer, but we could cross wires anyway. He was mixing up two different games. But um, yeah, I would say it's high between the two. The two, two of them where it hit hit the player right in the mush rather than than his hand. And that's mm. Lee Grace against Bowles and Joey O'Brien against Ilves. The ball hit him clean in the face and they got a penalty. And this was only like 10 minutes into the match. At home in Europe with like 200 grand on the line. Fucking madness. So. Um, next season will be a big season four. Uh, pick a Rovers player you predict to hope to kick on, reach new levels, or recapture old form. I'm going to say new season will be a, a big season for Shamrock Rovers as a club and a collective. That's no. Pick as a, a club, pick a player and a collective. We need to have the biggest season in our history all over the pitch, off the pitch. But I am going to say Richie Tell. You could pick six or seven players for this this question. Absolutely. I think Richie Tell needs a big season. He needs to kick on. It's huge for him. Bork. I want to see Bork play more and score more goals. Um, I mean, there's there's so many. You, you could can, put yeah, you, you could put about. Jack Bergy Tell in this category. To hit levels that they like, like we're not expecting Tell to hit levels of 2015 Dundalk, but but when when we've seen him further advance up the pitch and he's getting more chances, yeah. like you could see him banging in more goals next season. Also on a different note as well, I, I think it's going to be a big season for Nudger, for Nugent, because the last mm. when's the last time we gave a successful loanee a contract and has gone on mm. and progressed and done well? A young loanee. That's what I'm saying, a young loanee. So it's it's very interesting because mm. he's had two stints. He's had Longford and he's had Drogheda and now he's come mm. back and he's got a new contract and now it's going to be interesting to see how he plays um, this is I'm, I'm interested in it anyway. the likes of Podge Hammond and Kieran Kilduff went on loan before Tala and did okay for his uh, Podge did very well uh, Ferrugia as well Ferugia's but since Tala like, a lot of young players have gone on loan to the likes of Longford and stuff they've come back and they haven't really gotten into the first team and mm-hmm. then they just end up believe a year later we tipped Ferrugia last year remember it started last season I think my answer to this question is Ferrugia I think it's a big season for him. He's actually on the longest streak of appearances, more than anyone else. So the days of, ah, he's permanently crocked. Those days, Hopefully. fingers crossed, 
Knock wood. A rover, like, but he's, he needs a run of not just 25 appearances, but 25 in a row of goals and assists. Creating and scoring yeah. and being a big player for us. Definitely agree with your prof. I think possibly a confidence player. 10 toughest coaches out of the 10 LOI Premier Division managers. Pick the one you'd really want to avoid getting to a fist fight with and why. And um, who would you most fancy your chances against? Some caught out the managers there. We got Bradley, Higgins, O'Donnell, Clancy, Russell, Devine, Duffer, Doherty, Myler, and Healy. Right. Um, Duffer gets the smoke all day. <laughs> well, I think we are actually going to see a fist fight one day between you, Do you and know Duffer. What? I bet you he's this one is, of them this has been building. that swings like a windmill, you know? <laughs> and he hits you with. No, it doesn't throw a proper punch. You know, it throws you one of them kind of wimpy punches. Like, eh! You could imagine him kind of. Scrabbing at you like a little, like a cat. What do we cats do? <laughs> so, Duff gets the yeah. smoke. Who do I not want smoke off? Um, Tim Clancy's a unit. Tim Clancy's one of them that'll just kind of pretzel you, you know, grab you mm. and like submit you. Those type of guys. A lot of people say Rory Higgins. Yeah, I, Rory I, Higgins gives me an awful vibe. I'll be honest. I won't say what I told you, what I think <laughs> about him. But um, he, g- he gives me awful vibes. You know, he has those dark, deep eyes. Looks like he has secrets and fucking skeletons in his closet, <laughs> doesn't he? And the way he, he said, talks, it's like he's mulling over he his next get, mortar. Get, getting the fall vibes from him. But, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> my, my pick here is uh, Andy Moyler, actually. Yeah, little, uh, you know, tough, bouncy centre forward, you know. Yeah, I definitely think so, yeah. Um, um, obviously we, we, we have a female participant in the hotline so we slightly reworded that question for there uh, no violence against women yeah. on tippies yeah, yeah. so we just said toughest coaches for for uh, for Shannon who you'll hear from later on so here we go part one of two prof our four seven corners and you just don't know who's going to turn up in the hotline prof could be anybody here could even be someone who played in the Twiggy 3-0 game it's Booker Well, I'm just going to have a bash at this. Um, I'm not going to pre-record anything or <coughs> write anything down. So, my personal highlight of the World Cup in 2022, that was... It'd have to be the quarter-finals, I think it was, was it? Argentina and the Netherlands. I watched that show with me, with me little girl, and it was quality. She loved it. Best and worst pundit during the tournament. Oh, just Kenny Cunningham's just not for me. My God, that guy's not for me. On TV, just punditry. Don't know him personally. And you've got to go with Roy Keane, haven't you? Um, Favourite ever World Cup. That was a standout moment. Um, it's 20... Oh, sorry, 2002, wasn't it? The Soy Palm one. It was 2002. That just sticks in my mind all the time. Um, anything special off Sandy? I got a lovely watch off me, Mrs. Yeah. That was that. New Year's resolution. Same as everybody else every year. Try to be a bit better. Try to do things better. Um, one thing I have got put down for this year is... I'll do the Carryway Ultra. The 100km. I've got mad into me running. I am absolute... Pony at cooking, so we'll scratch that one. And I mean pony. My favourite takeaway food. Um, 
I kind of get it to take away and I sit in Nando's I'm just a Nando's I just love Nando's fondest and fondest oh, funniest memory of a pre-season game would be with Shelbourne with Pat Flynn away in maybe it was at Lone could be at Lone but he got sent off the game before no sorry he's got, he got sent off three games before <laughs> we were into our fourth game in pre-season and uh, Alan Matthews says a uh, big spiel about the game for it we've got to keep everybody in the pitch we've got to keep discipline blah 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 we must have been 30 seconds in and Flinney sent your man 20 feet up into the air and just walked off didn't even wave a red card he didn't and uh, I won't say what happened in the change room but my god it's one of the best stories I was ever involved in in football Right, we'll move on to, um, I'm watching from the sidelines. My fondest memory from the sidelines would be, it'd have to be just when I was on the bench in Italy. What an amazing night. I know we were beating 1-0, but what a goal Del Piero's hit that, that night. And what a performance from Bradza. That's one of the best performances I've seen from a footballer that I've played in a game what do you think most iconic old celebration you've ever seen in Tala Twiggy Twiggy against Bowes when the bottle of coke was thrown that time just you could just see how much it got under their skin them lot next season I think Rovers will dominate I think they'll dominate absolutely everything because there's nobody out there that does what they do. I do a lot in the recovery rounds and that myself, um, as my mate owns them. And there's other teams that do bits in the recovery rounds, but nobody does it like Rovers. Nobody recovers like them. I won't say any more on that, but they're streets ahead of everybody. And just a little ad on the bottom of it, I've just read about um, referees and bits and bobs. Oh, we got on well with Paul Chew was the only one. The rest of the refs, I could not stand. Just couldn't. Before, before I even went out, we both knew we weren't going to get on. Both of us and both of the linesmen. <laughs> it was just one of them things that you had to, you had to grin and bear. There was just, there was one up in Derry for Shells. We were on the brink of getting relegated and... He gave them, what is the little, the, the, the small ref, the lad thinks from Cork. Jeez, I should know his name, he sent me off late seven or eight times. Um, I can't actually remember his name, but he's given a handball for a ball that hit somebody in the face, and Derry has beat us 2-1 in the 90th minute. I think that relegated us. And obviously, I've gone and got a five-game ban as because there was carnage. But it was the worst call I've ever seen in football. I'm going to have to find his name. I'll get, I'll get back on to you, right? I might actually go and find him at this rate. If it's still playing that much on my mind. Toughest coaches of uh, of the Premier Division at the minute. Who would want to avoid getting in a fist fight. I think, I think Rory Higgins could handle himself. Yeah. Played against Rory a bit, I think he could handle himself a bit and fancy me chance against Bradza. Bradza is an absolute L when I had the mine for years. Um obviously 
my name is Robert Bailey and this is my addition to the podcast. Well lads, thanks for having me on. Cooperman, Ireland's number one mascot. Two stars, can't ask for more than that. What a club. So to kick off, my favourite podcast would have to be on the 24th of August, 22 if I'm correct. Ray Whelan and Ray Whelan Sr. about nearly stealing the seat for Bradley, which is very funny. And of course, I cannot uh, go without saying the famous chicken curry. Second last game of the season after M.O. Donoghue asked me why I never had it, but I had to wait because I'm dancing on that stadium every week, watching the lads do their stuff. So it was well worth the wait and it was amazing. And for interviews, I would say Mick Cook was excellent. Noel Hunt and my personal favourite would be Billy Denny, real humble guy during the Michael O'Neill era. Got to know him very well. Great guy. Brilliant interview as always by the lads. So where would I listen to it? Of course, Tallis Stadium, the Hooper Cave. Can't ask for more than that. But the strangest place I ever miss- listened to it would be on the way to Carrick and Shannon one time on a stag. Uh, Hooper Man was down on a stag, yes. And I was told Carrick and Shannon, the Vegas of Ireland. Not so sure about that. Personal highlight of 22 for the World Cup would be the matches in general. A lot of the underdogs stepped up. But to see our Argentina win it overall with Messi... Uh, amazing. I suppose if I was to ask what was, would be my best pundit, I would say Roy Keane. He has the charm, even though he's a Corkman. Uh, he is very funny. For Brian Kerr, I'd have to put you down as the worst. I'm very sorry. If I was to be asked for two different pundits, just as a once-off, I would have to say the Prof and Riley Pearsons because that's like the Banshees of Inishiran. One's the man of solitude, one's the man of noblism. You decide there. But what a team those two. To be fair, if I'm ever asked about what meal Hoopman has before a game, it has to be a turkey burrito bowl. Packed with protein, packed with the right energy for a big game in Tallis Stadium. Like the first game of the season with Derry City coming up, you need a turkey burrito bowl. It's not going to be Craig Sives, Craig Sip, oh my god, Craig Sives, world famous pasta carbonara, but sometimes you have to do. For pre-season games, I tend to do a few over the years, but normally I'm kept in waiting because you have to make that big return right for the big games coming up in the new season. So that's the way it is. But uh, yes, lads, I will be there for some pre-season games and I can't wait. Don't see the new players gel. No, you know, can't ask for more than that. For an iconic gold celebration, uh, I would have to go with Gary Twig, 3-0 bows. What a day that was in August 2010. An amazing day. Uh, the third goal especially was outstanding. All the goals, the performance that day, and of course the celebration running over the Bose fans. You could say my celebration at halftime was something to be lived for, but um, yeah, I can't steal the thunder, so it has to be Gary Twig. Over the line, I've been asked what was, you know, whether good or bad refereeing decisions for the worst refereeing decision I've ever seen. I would probably say when Bowesby Rovers 1-0, 2nd of September 22 when Crawley and Pender came back and did this and that but uh, the ref was shocking that night I suppose looking at all the players who's in for a big season this season or who's got a lot to prove or hope to come back and do something has to be Trevor Clark uh, I really feel this is a big big season for Trevor great seeing back in Tallis Stadium really humble guy you know great attitude trains well you know always did, did, done his best for Shamrock Rovers and I really feel if he kicks on injury-free, I think he'll do great. He's been so unlucky with the injuries. Uh, a special mention as well to Niall Ferrugia. I really feel as well he's a lot to give this season if he stays injury-free. And I suppose if I was ever asked uh, for a fist fight, God, if a manager I wanted to avoid, I would have to say Rory Higgins. He looks mag- mad as a bag of cats uh, from Jerry City. I don't think I'd want to get near him. But if I felt I could get the better of someone, I'd have to say Damien Duff at Shelburne. Even though Damien had a good spell at Rovers, he just seems like he's just going to moan it. 
But I can. There's there's ways and means of moaning about it. Um. But listen, it's the new season coming up. I can't wait. Uh. You know, it's gonna be fantastic. No reason why we can't put everyone behind us again. I firmly believe we'll get that next title, and it's a massive, all important one on our legacy for Stephen Bradley. And once again, lads, thank you very much for having me. I can't wait. Hello, my name is Owen Welch. What, in your opinion, has been the best podcast feature for the second half of 2022? Uh, for me, number one would be the Billy Dennehy interview. Ground up watching Rovers is one of my favourite players, so when I found out it was going to be on the podcast, so I was really looking forward to it. And then in the end, it turned out to be a great interview. Number two for me would be the Alexandre Bregman interview. It was good to get an insight from uh, their side of things. And then when I found out how many Rovers fans were going, I thought we'd really pull off a, a good famous win, but wasn't to be. And then number three would have to be Connor's Connor for, for definitely, yeah. Where and when do you usually listen to Tiftus? I mostly just listen to Tiftus on the bus going to and from work. So I would uh, listen to that maybe on the tour side of Friday morning then. What would your personal highlight of the World Cup? It has to be Messi winning it for me. Growing up, he was my favourite player in the world. Uh, just the best player as well. And then when they lost their first game against Saudi Arabia, it made it even better, I suppose. Uh, he was the best and worst TV pundit. I watched on RTE too, so for me, Shay Given was the best, and the worst was by far Richie Sadler. It's just, it's just sap. Which was your favourite ever World Cup, and what's your standout moment? Well, this would probably be the favorite, my favourite World Cup so far. Grown up so far, the other four haven't been any, uh, anything amazing. Uh, did you go anywhere special for Santi, and what did Santi get off? Any respect for Christmas and what did Santa get you? Uh, no, I was set at home. This uh, everyone comes around around to my house or the house, which was just chaos. Full of my niece and nephew. Uh, what did Santa get you? Uh, the usual sock jocks, plenty of aftershave and plenty of link sets, I suppose. Uh, what is my New Year's resolution? My New Year's re- resolution would be to quite out the takeaways and start to cook more. What is your, what meal is your specialty that you cook yourself? Uh, I actually make a really nice carbonara, believe it or not. Uh, but I don't cook that too much. Uh, favorite takeaway food, definitely a Domino's, but it'd be very seldom I get a Domino's, so maybe that's why I like it more when I get it. Do you go to many Rovers preseason games? I do. I try to get to one or two, but it does be always be freezing. And I remember last season we played Brian Roadstone losing three two to them, and I was like, "Oh no way!" And then the nerves were gone for the start of the season. But obviously, it's just preseason, though. What do you think was the most iconic goal celebration you've seen in live in the Talla era? Um, see when we score, I don't tend to look at the pitch. You just turn to your mate really and start celebrating. So it's very rare that you see the players celebrating because they're just lost in the chaos. Uh, what was the worst res- refereeing decision you ever witnessed in the Rovers game? Would definitely be the league race sending off when his face not his hand. I think we're down to 10 men already or we could have just went down to 10 men there and then they beat us 1-0 with 9 men then. It was, ugh, that was awful. Next season will be a big season for... Definitely for me, I hope Neil Farouja kicks on. I think he's a great player. Um, it's just... Well, when we signed him, I thought he was the next one got to be going to England, but hopefully him just says injury-free, please God. 
uh, the toughest coaches. I'd avoid getting a fist fight in with Damien Duff. Just a hot-headed temper head, isn't he? So I'd avoid him. And I'd most fancy chances against Stephen O'Donnell because oh, just fucking hate him. Hey lads, thanks very much for having me on. Here's my uh, few questions I'd like to answer for you. So, uh, in my opinion, yeah, look, first tour there, my favourite feature of the second half of the podcast there. Um, first is the previous players. I really enjoy hearing stories of, like what happened in the dressing rooms and, you know, previous players I wouldn't have got to see play, especially the likes of Mick Cook and, you know, Richie Bourne. I wouldn't have seen them play. Um, enjoyed hearing stories from Tommy Stewart and Billy Denny. Really good. Uh, I missed the one with Oscar Hansen, so I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one. Uh, secondly, I'd like to your opposition view. You know, European says opposition view. Uh, I do enjoy hearing that, uh, especially when it comes to Europe there. It's a good little insight into who we're playing and where we're going. Um, you know, places that we wouldn't go before, places that we wouldn't go naturally. Good little insight. And then Irishman abroad, I'm going to put number three. Um, you know, it's interesting to hear how other people watch games and when you're away from, when you're away from home, probably gives you that little piece of, uh, little, little feeling at home there as well. Uh, don't know how Anto does it in Mexico. That's mad, but you look, uh, we'll see. You know, now and now might be abroad sometime. Uh, number two there. Where do I listen to the podcast? Usually when I'm heading out to work there or come back from work. I just stick it on the car, sets me up with a day going, you know, nice little start, nice little way to start the day. Strangest place where I listened to the podcast was probably, I don't know, I don't, I don't really listen to it in strange places, usually just in the car on the way to work or, you know, on the plane when I'm flying out somewhere, mainly to either games or, um, I don't know, probably in Milan before Liverpool versus Inter Milan, listened to the podcast on the way over and was listening to a bit get the day of the game. Uh, went over there last last year when you were for the Champions League. Took a picture in San Siro with the Love Rovers Hate Racism t shirt on, so probably the strangest one I've listened to. Personal highlight of the World Cup of 22 was uh, I was in a bar in Liverpool watching the game with the missus, and uh, the crying child came up on the screen and uh, when they were 2 1 down, and everyone went, oh, and you could just hear me laughing hysterically. Um, so that was my personal highlight of the World Cup. Who was the best and worst? Uh, I thought Peter Drury's commentary on the game I thought was the best part of the World Cup. The best, I'd say, is a bit pundit slash commentator. Um, personally, Alan Cawley was the worst. He is awful and I hate listening to him. Um, which year was my favourite one? I think 2002 World Cup was my favourite. Um, I was a standout moments there. It's like, you know, such a great, it was such a great tournament. It's the first one I can properly remember, and uh, I don't know, we might ever listen to this, but my standing moment of that World Cup was being woken up at 7am for the, the Ireland match that was at the weekend, it was on a Saturday, woken up at 7am, brought down to the pub in, when we were living in Kildare, so uh, that was a good one, really enjoyed that. I didn't go anywhere special for Christmas, but I did go away the week after Christmas, I don't know that counts in the Christmas week, Christmas period. And Sandy got me a big uh, gaming laptop, so play a bit of football manager, pretend to be, pretend to be Stephen Bradley, win us that four in a row. Um, well, New Year's resolution, drop it away, look a bit better in pictures. You know yourself, I think that's going to be everyone's, but really need to stick to it this year. My, what me is your speciality? Uh, I do cook myself, and I think my speciality is probably going to be most people here, but it's, uh, it's steak. 
you know, always I do like cooking a steak, season it well, always have to have a medium. If you have it anything other than medium, uh, don't think you should be allowed to season it, to be honest. Favourite takeaway food is either toss up with Chinese or chip, it depends on how I'm feeling that day. Uh, to be honest, pre-season games, I don't really go to any of them. You know, I'm usually busy or the missus wants me to do something or something before the season starts, so that's that's how I do. I try and get to one or two, but not uh, not many. Fondest or funniest memory of pre-season friendly. Uh, I think it was this, oh, Celtic, when Celtic came to play, when Neil Lennon brought Celtic over, 2011-12. I remember that, that weird fella jump jump that used to be there and he just openly pissed himself and I remember thinking everyone asked him like jump jump why'd you piss yourself and he just goes because I got mad excited I still don't understand what happened but it was it always makes me laugh when I think about it and when I said the boys like that we always laughed um, most iconic goal celebration I've ever seen in Tala was oh it's either it's Twig after he put his one nil up against Bowles uh, when he did, when he sat down in front of them, or I have to say, uh, Richie Towell when he came in after the European game, first European game back after COVID, that was a good one as well. Uh, worst ref, ref decision we've seen the red league race red card from the ball clearly hit him in the face against Bowles. They got a penalty and a red card for the biggest amount of bollocks I've ever seen in my life. So that's that's my one there. I think next season will be huge for Sean Cabinet. Um I think he's been he's been great for us, you know, but I don't think anyone's singled him out as the kind of top player. I think he's gonna have a huge season now. Especially the way kind of Andy Lyons had a big season last season. Um I really hope that he'll kick on now and you know, he's set to become I think he's one of our best players. I think he's gonna be a future captain. I think he's just one of our best players that we you know, don't give enough praise. I think it's just injuries hamper the seasons, but uh, other than that, no, I don't think. I think he's the one standout for me. Um, the toughest coach. I don't want to fight Bradzer. I think Bradzer on a night out. If you call him in a dark alley and piss them off. I think he'd smack you around. Uh, who I would like to fight. I reckon I give Damien Duff a good go. I reckon I'd batter him. You know, I reckon he'd walk off halfway through and just say, Oh, you held me head, head up, held head high down, you know, yourself. I walked into here before this fight and I had me held, held high. And I reckon he'd walk out with four teeth saying, Oh, keep me head held high now. Hi, lads. Richie here, or Richard Cornelius, given you wanted the full name. Uh, thanks for having me on Kifty's Hotline. Um, so, best podcast feature for me uh, was probably the European view. It was really good to get the uh, insights to the opposition. Um, and their perspective on Rovers as well. Um, I did a few away trips, so it was good to kind of know what to expect in and around wherever I was travelling to. Um, the top three then, I'd say one was uh, Alexandra Brackman, the uh, the Belgium fellow you had on. Um, second, Philip O'Connor, um, covered Geo Gardens. And thirdly, probably the Tifty's Hotline, the Europe uh, hoop scene and volunteering theme that you did. Uh, where would I usually listen to Tifties? So usually in the car. I'm up and down to Galway quite a lot. Um, so yeah, usually listen to it in the car, um, and it's handy enough. It covers the covers the whole trip and keeps me entertained. Strangest place I listen to the podcast? Um, probably at an Irish dancing fesh. Uh, my daughter dances um, a lot, and there's sometimes up to a hundred other kids that are dancing. 
so they're long long days um so it's nice when she's kind of done her round pop the earphones in listen to you guys whilst uh, everyone else is uh, is up there dancing and i can kind of tune in and tune out as i need to um highlight of the world cup uh was probably for me was was landing a nice little bet builder on the um argentina netherlands game um a bit of a messy masterclass uh, sorted me out there but that side um it was a mad world cup but i think the final was just ridiculous like the second half onwards it kicked on and you know argentina did everything they could to throw it away i think um in normal time um but yeah like just a crazy crazy game best pundit of the world cup um has to be kino like you just can't go wrong he knows his football he's really brutal he's really honest he doesn't hold back um he doesn't mind a little bust up that one he had with sunes uh, was was pretty entertaining um worst pundit by far and i don't think he covered many games but worst pundit was mika richards um he just annoys me i actually don't think he knows anything about football probably anything about anything um yeah he just really irritates me um favorite ever world cup then probably usa 94 um it's the first one i can really truly remember um and i always remember the uh the, the final the brazil italy game um, and it going to penalties after extra time, and then Roberto Baggio misses the uh, the all important kick, blasts it over the bar, and he's just grounded to the spot whilst the Brazilians are, are celebrating. Where did I go for Christmas? Well, I didn't go anywhere myself, but I had uh, the family over, so the parents and my grandmother came over from the UK. Um, so I was uh, I was chef, I was cooking Christmas dinner. Um, I think I ended up cooking dinner for about nine people and a dog um never done that before never ever cooked a christmas dinner but um i think everybody was was well fed nobody got food poisoning so i think that's a success uh what did santi bring me um well two rovers season tickets turned up for myself and the daughter so we must have been very good all year i've no new year's resolutions um to be fair i'd probably never keep them up anyway um speciality meal that i can cook uh, definitely a chicken booner. Um, I have a little Punjab uh, cooking book thing here. So uh, I definitely have that one down to a T. It's not too difficult, but I've definitely mastered it. Um, Favourite takeaway, probably a theme here, um, is an Indian. Um, I'd eat Indian for breakfast, lunch and dinner if I could. But um, Bombay Pantry there, um, can't beat that. Pre-season games, I don't tend to go to many um, or any be fair but uh planning on going to the uh the Galway Rovers game there on the 4th of Feb um iconic goal celebrations at Tala probably a little bit of recency bias um in this response but the scenes when Gaffney scored that volley against uh Shells was just incredible there were just arms and legs everywhere um the celebrations were on the pitch like in the stands it was just incredible um nothing like a last second winner and especially one that just gives you that feeling that you've actually got over the line there with the league. Uh, worst refereeing decision I've seen at Tala uh, was definitely the the mould game and uh, the goal that was given that was miles offside. I think it was that lad Fafana that Chelsea have just uh, just signed and like there's daylight be- between him and the defence and the uh, yeah, flag doesn't go up but even in a replay you can see he's miles and miles and miles offside. So just think that was shocking. It was so obvious. Um, 
this season, who's going to kick on? I think uh, Farouk is going to have a massive season for us. He finished last season in, in really good form. And I think if he can be consistent this year, stay injury-free, um, he's going to crack on. And I'm actually going to predict he's going to get 10-plus goals for us this season. And then finally, so the manager I, I'd avoid a fist fight with, probably Rory Higgins. He looks like a big lad. He definitely looks like he could throw a dig. So, um, yeah, I'd definitely be avoiding him. Um, to be fair, though, I don't think I'd fancy my chances against anyone. Um, I'd struggle to fight my way out of a paper bag, if I'm honest. Um, but listen, lads, thanks for having me on and uh, keep on hooping. Hey, uh, this is James Lowe. Thanks for asking me on, Carl. Um, after I've let you down twice in spectacular fashion, so I'll try not to let you down this time. Uh, the tree. Three best segments of last year, I'd have to say. I, I quite enjoy the European opposition view. So, um, Philip O'Connor I thought was quite good. Um, and the other ones were just kind of funny. Uh, your Matt, I can't remember where the other, one of the other fellows was from, but a bit of a spoof. Or like, so, I thought that was funny. Um, then, uh, Connor's Corner, I quite enjoy. The, the man is an enigma. Um, but I love him dearly. And then some of the player interviews quite enjoyed the one with Billy Denny now. Um, and Oscar Janssen I thought was an interesting one. I'd normally just listen to the podcast on the way to work on the train. Um, then on the way back, if it's long enough. The strangest place I've ever listened. I can't think of anywhere particularly strange. I suppose I, I put it on when we were stuck in Bristol Airport that time. Uh, we needed a couple of hours kip, so needed to put on something that would make me fall asleep. So I didn't actually watch the World Cup. Um, I don't actually watch football outside of Rovers, really, um, or if I'm going to games. I don't like watching football on TV, so uh, I didn't see any of it. Um, I also didn't particularly sit well with where it was, but sure, look, that's a conversation for another day. But um, the TV pundit journey, I'd, I assume Alan Colley was the worst. Uh, don't know who the best would be. And my favourite ever World Cup moment would probably be uh, in school, 2002, um, uh, early morning for one of the games. Can't remember which game it was. It was, it was like six or seven or something. So, um, that's probably it's probably my earliest memory of football, to be honest. So, uh, I'd have to go with that. Didn't go anywhere particularly special for Christmas. Uh, it was just usual, just in the parents' house. So, uh, what did Santi get me? Uh, Santi got me a. Links Africa set uh, like he does every year. So, and uh, New Year's resolutions don't really believe in them. To be honest, uh, I've never really done them. Um, but I suppose I plan, I plan to run a marathon next year, following in the footsteps of Noli and Paul McGrath. So, um, I suppose for next year, I'm gonna have to train for that. I'm a terrible cook, so I can't really do much. Uh, we do sometimes do like nachos, which are quite good. So you have um, pinto beans, chicken, cheese, guac. Uh, and you just literally just stick it in the oven for like 10, 15 minutes and it's sorted. So that would probably be our go-to. And my favorite takeaway food is um, I love boujum. Boujum or zambrero. Um They'd be my two go-to takeaways now. Love a burrito. So I don't go to many 
pre-season games that much anymore i used to go to quite a few um but i've just gotten lazy to be honest so i don't make it out because santry's quite far away so um from talis so uh yeah no i haven't gone in a couple of years um my fondest memory of pre-season friendly probably the portugal trip in general um that was just uh madness as uh, uh everything you could ask for just <laughs> some things that can't be said um the funniest memory from that trip is probably uh let's see so we were yeah we were the, the guys are in the new town and we were staying in the old town and we'd woken up late and we didn't know where anyone was so uh, we got a taxi over but we weren't sure where they were and just as we were traveling down in the taxi uh, three police vans just go flying past the window so I turned to the taxi driver and I said, just uh, follow, the, follow, follow the sirens. And um, sure enough, um, brought us to where everyone was. Most iconic goal celebration. I see most people are going to say Dan Carr um, for the backflip, but I thought he was brutal, so I don't want to give it to him. Um, we'll go with Sean Boyd's goal against Bowes' first goal. Uh, ran straight over to him. Over to the Bowes fans, um, right on top of them, thought that was quite good. The worst decision I've seen in the Tala era would have to be Lee Grace getting sent off for a handball when the ball clearly smacked him in the face um, for multiple different reasons. It was such a, obviously, just a completely wrong decision, but it also derailed any momentum we had um, we had 10 men then for the rest of that game and then I think we were playing some dock the week after and um, we had to play some teenager at centre back so yeah now that's that's by far the worst and I, I, it, it'd be tough to beat that one next season will be a big season for Jack Bourne it's more in um, it's more in hope than expectation I know he was good last year he still made the PFEI team of the year but I really think um, if he can get going to the levels he was at two years ago uh, two years before he, he left um, I think there's, there's, there's no stopping him really so um, he's a, he'd be, I'd see him as a very important part of us next year if he can get going again Toughest manager in the Premier Division uh, it's a pretty weak lineup, really let's be honest obvious answer for last year would have been Oli Horgan but he's not there so Seeing that uh, King Ollie is gone, I will go with probably Declan Devine because he kind of has that. Yeah, he's a bit of a scary edge about him. Um, and the least worried I'd be would be probably Damien Duff. Uh, it's just he'd, he'd fight with emotion, I think, more than nothing else. And um, yeah, I think I could get away with that, maybe. Thanks, Carl. Um, mad set of questions. Happy New Year and talk to you soon. Hello, how you doing? Uh, this is Ray Whelan and here are my answers for the uh, phone-in. Question number one about the podcast features. I thought Noel Hunt was very, very good. Uh, Mick Cook comes in very close second. Uh I can't put Ray and Ray, can I, for tours? So I'll go with Conan Garth instead. Question two. 
some when I'm listening to to the podcast, sometimes when I'm walking, I'm trying to do ten thousand steps a day. But sometimes if I'm on the way to make food for the team, I have a one hour drive there and a one hour drive back and so I listen to it um at that stage. Uh the most odd place I, I don't know if I have I don't really have an odd place. But uh, when I go to Vilnius, which is quite often in Lithuania, I have a two-hour bus ride from uh, from Vilnius to Mariampoli, the place I go to, and I listen to it on that one as well. Uh, number three about the 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 World Cup. One of the highlights for me, I thought, was a little bit out left field. I suppose was the Senegal fans when they were dancing and spelling out the Senegal name of body paint. I thought it was great to look at. The pundits. Uh, I thought Stephen Kelly was probably the worst of the lot. I don't know what it is about the chap. I can't take to him. I don't know what it is. I thought Duffer was probably the best. A pretty bad bunch, I have to say, on RTE. Um, I old-fashioned, and I missed the old Giles, Dunphy, and Brady job. So um, that was that one. Um the, the the iconic moments for me was the 1970 World Cup as a Garden Bank save from Pelly, and it's 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 amazing. I'm 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 uh, I'm recording this as Pelly is is uh, funeral is taking place at the moment, so it's a little bit strange to say that. Um, Christmas. I stayed at home for the meal and drove down to see the grandchildren and uh, my usual Santa present is a uh, season ticket for Rovers and uh, I'm a great I'm delighted to get that okay um, my ambition for the year my, my resolution for the year is just trying my best to stay fit I was um, my favourite I'm lucky about the, the food Cooking now is my being my profession all my life was cooking food, so I can't say that that uh, that uh, I really enjoy cooking at home too much. So I'm very lucky that my partner Virginia uh, now cooks most of the time for me, and uh, I enjoy that, and I'm very thankful for that. My takeaway food is fish and chips. Um, the away matches I go to as many as possible. Um, and sometimes we go. We're 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 actually privileged to be uh, doing the food for the team at away matches as well. So so um, it doesn't always be for the 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 um, it doesn't always be for the pre matches. But I go to as many as possible. Um, one of the features I remember from it from a from a, a, a pre match. Well, uh, sorry, pre season was we played Lucan. One Saturday morning, I think it was. It was early enough in the day, anyway. And uh, they beat Rovers 1-0. 1-0. And I remember coming off the pitch, and one of the players from Lucan showed me a a bookies um, ticket that had them Lucan to win 1-0. I think he had 20 quid on it. Something like 80 to 8-1. to one. I'm not... Can't exactly remember what the price was, but definitely had a, a ticket to say that they were going to beat Rovers one 0 and uh, and so it came up, and he was a very happy man. Um, the 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 celebration, I think, was probably Jack Bourne's weasel one. I think it was against Bran, 
in the in the Europa League. That was a very good one. Um, I enjoyed that one. Um, the sending off was, was kind of easy enough, I suppose. The, the sorry, the the worst refereeing decision of the lot was the sending off of Grace by Paul McLaughlin. Um, I thought it was shocking. The player who will be a star, I think, in the future, or want to, was Gideon Tete. I think he'll be a star in the future. I really think he. I really think he is probably want to watch. The one manager I wouldn't take on in a fist fight is Rory Higgins. Big strong man. Don't think so. Um, the reasons why I wouldn't do it because I. I mean, are um, one of three things, and you can decide yourselves. I'm a pacifist. I'm a coward. Or I'm too old. I think I'll be okay if 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 I if I had Glenn Cronin to back me up. I might be okay in that situation. Um, I think that's it. Is it? I think that's a lot of it. The, 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 that's the end of it. I think. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity to say, it, and may I wish all Shamrock Rovers supporters and everyone else in uh, a very happy new year. And uh, please God, there's a four in a row, and maybe, maybe a cup on a, you know. My Christmas present might not come until the 4th of December next year whenever the cup final is on and maybe we'll do a double. But uh, thanks very much for the opportunity and I'll talk to you soon. All the best. Bye-bye. So yeah, we have uh, we Bucker Bailey, Luke Proctor, Owen Walsh, Shane Mooney, Richard Cornelius, James Lowe and uh, Ray Whelan Sr. And that is his real name, Richard Cornelius. Richard we've, we've checked Cornelius. his birth cert. This is the man that held up the bus for two hours <laughs> yeah. in Malta, wasn't it? Maybe that was part of the problem, not yeah. not his nationality. <laughs> uh, um, James Lowe, of course, the ever soft spoken, and um, with some some great uh, some great points. Yeah, I love these answers. Um, like you say, Bocker is now uh, chasing either Tom Conley or Anthony Butterm. So R.I.P. And that wasn't actually Tom Luke Proctor. It wasn't actually Luke Proctor. It was Hooperman himself. He, was Hooperman. he played the Hooperman role there. That's what Luke he answered was. the questions in the mind of Hooperman, which is. <laughs> And I, did you notice I had him follow Bocker in order? And Bocker <laughs> rugby tackled Huberman, although it wasn't Luke. I think it was someone else. Actually, um, who was that? Let us know who it was. Who was Huberman? Who got yeah. it? I don't think it was Dan. I think it was too early for Dan, maybe. It might have been Dan. Actually, let us know who, who got tackled. I don't think I, think I asked Dan that before. But um, Bocker could have chosen that as uh, iconic celebration. No, he went for... Um, I think he went for Twiggy, didn't he? The game he played in. Uh, Rishi Sadlier is a sap apparently uh, <laughs> oh much oh, so who do you not like oh Richard Sadlier he's a sap I haven't heard that say I haven't heard someone call anyone a sap in years it just hammers at home isn't it you sap someone call me a sap I'd be like oh man what am I doing wrong I said that to him I was like oh sorry I didn't know if I could curse so I came up with sap um, uh, Richie is Predicting 10 goals for Ferrugia. That is a big show. From the position that he's going to be in. We spoke about this before, about playing him further up. I suppose but Lyons got 10, didn't he? Yeah, we have a wealth of talent in that area below, the, in between the centre mids and the strikers. You've got Bort, Bourne, Bork, the, the trifecta of bees. Uh, you've got Ferrazoi. Bees? Bees! <laughs> we, we've got a lot of talent. We'll talk about our, our squad in a while, but... Um, we move on Prof to Trevor Clark he has returned on a season long loan until November and uh, podcast supremo Mero from How's Your Sisters podcast or whatever it was called um, he was we were discussing the lyrics 
to Trevor Clark's song. He's always in Club Diva. Yeah, but there's more. That's all I remember. Nah, nah, nah. He's gonna he's gonna take your wife away. Was the end of it? It's been three years. I can't. remember It's been a while, but I know we sing the same one about Borky. But yeah, that's it. Uh, he's back, Meryl. Just in time for Crafty's girl because uh, questions from the East End will return oh, yeah. this year. So back in the roads, though. Trevor, maybe. if you're listening, which you're not, brush up on your provinces in Ireland because that tripped you up last time. You see, Robert's Twitter put up the his most famous goal. Well, actually, I think I think his best goal was the one in Cork. Cracker. Remember he ran half the pitch and yeah. buried him. Yeah, I mean, and we lost four one that day, didn't we? Well, that's why no one remembers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Robert's Twitter put up the one in Daily Mount. One we day. know what he's remembered for. Where Absolutely he clobbering people. Arrowed in the car. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. But he, he um, likes a tackle as well. When he scored that goal, that was the summer of 2017 in Daily Mount. And then we didn't win there again until after he left. Brand the Brand cup semi final. Well, didn't he? I remember who scored the other Possibly. Yeah, I think it was Brandon. Um, Joey Barton insists that he's doing Trevor a favour rather than allowing him to stay and stagnate at the gas Bristol Rovers. And then, case, and then he proceeded to go on this mad analogy, uh, ramble analogy about being comfortable living in your man dad's house for about 10 minutes. As in the, the rant was about 10 minutes long. Really? He's a head case. Was he aiming at uh, Trevor? Oh yeah, it was all like failed references to Trevor and some other guy who was moving on. Fucking nutcase, man. Uh, Big Al. What would you guess Trevor's last game was? I I was surprised with this. Mm. My guess was... I'd say Christmas, before Christmas? No, he left in the summer of 2019. Oh, our game. Oh, us. I thought you meant Bristol. Um... My guess was the Dundalk 1-0. The other one that Bradshaw chose as the turning point. The turning point. point where we yeah. lost 1-0. Because I remember Trev played really well that day. Gannon scored, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He caught, was that Was that That was my prediction, but no. What was it? His last game was away in Bran in Norway. That was it. What? So you left just before the Apollon Limassol game. No way. Good show, Prof. Or sorry, you left just before the second leg. The, the home one. The swivel from, from Jack. Um... Yeah, so Big Al has taken up a coach role with the Irish FA, so um, moving into coaching, prof, Big Al. Jose teaching him everything he knows. And Victor went to Longford, so Victor... Which is a gone. long way from Ukraine. Yes. Uh, the Midlands. Do you know um, what? It's probably like living... Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a down... I don't think he knows what he's getting himself into, like... Never mind what he's getting himself into. The missus doesn't know what <laughs> she's getting herself into, Gary. She is in for a shock. That Instagram page... The backdrops just won't be there in Longford. No, don't think so. Maybe not. He is, he is Alicia Centre Parks. Uh, oh, she in hand has joined Longford. De- Dean McMenemy signed for Waterford and Cole. He signed for Bray. You're gonna miss saying that. I was just thinking that. Yeah, you're not gonna say that anymore. So our um, our roadstone development is being dismantled here, Prof. Are, are we doing the right thing or what? Because they're just fucking off the other teams. Well, you could say another victim of the the loss of the B team, oh, stop. or even no league cup or Leinster senior. It's sad, cup. isn't it? That we're the victim of not jealousy. I hate saying that, but just small minded madness that you can't develop a league for young guys who are just not in the first team ready. You know what I mean? It's it's very very fucking disappointing. It really is. It's not as talked about as much as it. Like the the no league cup or Leinster senior cup. We're so used to seeing like. Three or four times a season, you would see these young players. You would get a chance to see what they're like. 
in men's football. And you just you don't it's three three years in a row now. We just we've had no opportunity to see them except underage level. Yeah. And and once again, the step up is huge. It's huge. So it'd be great to see them getting tried and tested. I was only looking up the B team today actually. I was looking up the most recent one and seeing which players were on it as well. I just flicked a spider from the microphone. <laughs> that was uh now, Prof, you could, have, you could have gently coaxed the spider onto your hands. It was very small. And but, put him uh, outside on the I window just, ledge a la Bose. I just needed it out of my face, to be honest. Uh, five and a half years. Don't, no, hang on, five and a half years. Coming up six now, aren't we? Are we going on six? Coming up Same as we with start, we started, Finner Sign. So when Finner Sign. We started in February, yeah. Six years doing this podcast. Uh, I've never seen a spider crawl onto the microphone. Six long years. Of your face <laughs> every week. Yeah, so uh, Barry Carter hasn't signed for Pats yet, despite the rumours. Burns, do you believe to be interested? Absolute never happened at the year award. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say. He is his own. Do you know what? He, on Instagram, he's constantly flouting his wares. Like he's putting himself up on. He he. Do you know how much le- how much mileage he's getting now of that run and that goal he made? He literally rang reception at Barnsley and said, "Here, will you say this?" Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, a mate of his works in like the gym where they are. He's like, listen, spread me name around, will you? So that's not happening. Aiden Keane has interest from Shamrock Rovers clubs in the UK and the top tier of Sweden. So we're not sure if this is happening. I doubt it will. I think we're too far gone. Johnny Kenny's in. It's all gone very quiet there, isn't it? It's all gone very quiet. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, we announced Johnny Kenny once again. Yeah, on loan for the season, and how we'll get the get the sound effects going. <laughs> the fucking piss boiling the kettle <laughs> my god they there's going to be some away day start of the season slowly go away personally I don't think Johnny Kenny will start but I think we might just have to start him for the crack I think I think this was only announced like a day or two after we did our last show so it feels like ages ago now but we never got a chance to really I just go. typed his name into Twitter and, had, just, and had great fun reading yeah. everything we never got a chance to read some of this stuff else so there was a really long one that I'm sure you've all seen. This is from the, on a, their podcast, wasn't on it? On a farm, which uh, I won't read out here. I'm sure everyone's seen it. But there was a few little ones that were really entertaining. Uh, on Twitter, Stoutman1899 uh, says, Welcome to Rovers. Dermot Desmond's money laundering hoops gone for four in a row. <laughs> that actually could be tongue-in-cheek. I could be a Rovers fan now to think about it. Um, you got you got all the Dermot Desmond conspiracies. Like, uh, he took him away from Sligo to Celtic to give to Shems. That's how. It, that's what. That's what it was actually. Are um, ye Shems? Are ye Shams? <laughs> that's that's actually a great. I'm gonna roll with that one now. <laughs> so we're in the pub. Yeah. We'll be in the pub in Sligo now and say, "Fucking Dermot Desmond's some legend, isn't he? He actually bought Johnny Kenny just to give him to us for free." <laughs> Yeah, and then there was the bit of Red Trust, who, uh, remember they famously boasted that they were top of the league after beating us in May. Yeah. And literally, ever since they tweeted that, they just fell apart. Yeah, I think seven or eight games they win. Uh, they said, our rivalry, our, <clears throat> our rivalry slash dislike of Shams is almost 100 years old. It's pretty much one way, and it's more complex than just football. In our eyes... They represent the establishment, whereas we are from a marginalised region. So it's sore when one, number one, of ours goes there, but we'll survive and be stronger. UTR. 
Is this supposed to be a rallying cry for them? Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But the thing is, as well, it's only one way. I, I yes, you're right about yeah, that. Yeah, you're right there because. But uh, not the way you think. They, like, there's there's no relevance there at all. Great, like it's, it's a good town, good football town. It's the popular sport there, but the demographics. If you look at the population, I think it's eighty thousand, seventy to eighty thousand in Sligo. Talent is a hundred thousand, maybe eighty odd, mm. give or take a couple of thousand here and there. So it's only when stuff like this happens you realize how yeah, which we're I, living in their head rent free. I know, yeah, it's nuts. Um, more signings, prop. So we're looking at an English trialist. Um, uh, center mid, is he? Center mid, I think. Yeah, they had links with I, Estonian I, internationals as well. Yeah, that's Marcus Poom, son of ex-goalkeeper Mart Poom. We've already so, got uh, some songs, prof. We'll save him for the derby. We've Hey-o! We've already got songs pla- planned. What was it? Boom, 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 shake the poom. <laughs> oh, I wrote them down here, actually, yeah. We've got, we've got uh, boom, <laughs> boom, 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 shake, shake the room. Shake the we've got a uh, classic Nelly anthem, here comes the poom. And we've got... <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Let me see what you say. Boom, boom, boom. The South Stand... <laughs> Giving it the big one. Oh my god. We're kind of hoping that goes ahead now just so we have all these songs. Um, what else have we got, Prop? We have Lions. Started against Forrest on Saturday. A great debut. Apparently he was on fire. And I looked at his stats. You know, all these fucking battles won and all stuff like that. Do you reckon they're gambling how orientated was, as well? How was his XG, Gar? Was, yeah. was his XG very good, was it? So you can imagine that's the clincher for assigning the players. Yeah. Like, okay, he's got all, everything we want. Has he got the XG? No, bottle of prime. <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm not. I'm not mass against all new. Do you stats. reckon it's gambling orientated though? A lot of these battles won type thing, aerial duels. Yeah. I was listening to a discussion on the what the what's the story podcast, and they were saying that uh, it does seem to be very gambling driven. A lot of the new stats, which kind of when I, when I heard that, was like, oh yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. But um, and then we had Danny Mandroyu capped off a great week in his professional. And personal life with uh, a goal for Lincoln. And the next round, the cup, it's going to be Bazunu versus Lions. Oh, yes. It's good to see. Good to see who will never have played against each other or with each other or against each other, possibly. Mm-hmm. I'm open to correction on that. We have Fofana completing his 12 million move to Chelsea and PSV are in advance talks to sign Ola Brynhildsen. Two players that played against us in the last few months. Going to Chelsea and PSV. Now, this. Once again, shows you the levels that we're operating at when it comes to these competitions. So, a little insight into what, what it is. Um, do you reckon they're looking at us and thinking, well, Andy Lyons signed for Blackpool and like Andy Mandrew signed for Lincoln? Do you reckon <laughs> they're looking at it in the same vein? Maybe not. I don't know. But two very good players. Harp signing Brazilians and Kerry are signing Croatians. Someone had a terrible, terrible take. It was an, I wouldn't even call it an article. Notions on they compared Kerry to Atletico Bilbao. That they're only going to take players from the Kerry oh, region. Oh, yeah, I saw that article, it's yeah. Terrible. Uh, a terrible show. Bit of a stretch. And then, like, um, a day later, they sent a Croatian. <laughs> it's like, well. It's like, well, that's that out the window. That's not really much of a policy. Delete. <laughs> Delete article. Yeah. And we also have the latest from Dundalk with Jerry Malone. Reporting from Oriel Park on Twitter. 
Shocking news coming out of oil tonight as it seems club had heavy financial losses last season. I suspect that this is what was going to be said with the club making no new signings at all pre-season so far. Yeah, so Jerry Malone, great to hear from him. And um, very entertaining individual. Mm. Still reeling from the death of Stephen O'Donnell. I love how there's always at least two spelling errors or typos <laughs> in his post. And it's just funny enough that's like, it just makes me smile. Yeah. Nutsy to Bowes, director of football, moving back home from playing the flu up in Linfield. So, um, could we see Shields going to Bowes, prof? Shields going to Bowes, Think yeah. Someone actually told me he's actually quite worried about Fenlon going to Bowes. If Fenlon goes to Bowes, he'll go, Shields will go to Bowes. Because there'll be a, more of a focus on the football if he's there. <sighs> I don't know, man. What, getting big money to... Not that I'm worried about Bowes for any reason, but just yeah. it might revitalise them in some areas. But um, um, Dylan Connolly, the Bowes prop. Yeah, they hashed out a deal. Yeah, uh, do you know what? It's going to be the butt of all jokes. That's what I say. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, the <coughs> saga doesn't drag out. <laughs> <laughs> and they signed all his, uh, his papers, right? Oh, God. Yeah, no, so. Yeah, yeah former uh, cigarette connoisseur, Dylan Con- Connolly, not the Bowes. And um, it was kind of made world worldwide headlines there for a week or so, wasn't it? Pele passed away. Who? Yep. Pa- did you realise, Gar? Pele played at Daly Mount Park how in nineteen seventy-two. How would I have known that? You think they would have brought it up? But I know. No one brought it up. Make this about you. <laughs> and interestingly, nineteen seventy-two. I think. That's when they first put the asbestos in. Yeah, how f- like how funny is it that Bowes, the the woke, environmental friendly club, can now not do any work at Denny because it's riddled with asbestos. <laughs> oh man! Oh, uh, you could make it up. Dundalk owners are seeking new investors. Hold on, where's your where's your coins, prof? Trying to make bucket sounds. Oh, I'll be shaking buckets again. Now fuck time. off the buckets this time. I won't be paying in twice. Seven million euro. No legacy, no ground improvements to show for it. So this is the same guys who sold to Peak Six, bought it back at its at a snip, and now are they are looking to sell it again. Do do people or what what was wrong with people? Do they not know? I don't know. So that's what you're looking at anyway. Um, Jonathan Walters now in charge of football operations at Waterford. Bit of pull there. There's a, that's a bit of pull. They're going to be able to sign some decent players. They've they have a couple of good players there. Waterford, they're going to they're going to go straight up. That's who you need to put your money on if you're a betting man for the fourth division next year. Well, his first act apparently was to take him to uh, Dubai for pre-season. Yeah. Uh, most League of Ireland footballers are just back from there from the holidays, aren't they? Yeah, solid, solid, uh, big, big money trip as well. So <laughs> warm weather. You get, well, I, I'm I'm in favour of warm weather trips. I really am. I think it's good, good camaraderie. Considering the camaraderie within our team as well, it's probably at an all-time high. Um, I think those type of things are good. You bring the team abroad, bit of hot weather, bit of like a bit of bonding, and I think it's a brilliant, brilliant thing to do. And surely it can be done on the cheap as well if you want to get some some warm weather training in. Can you possibly have a sunny trip in our preseason schedule. Not been confirmed yet, but it could be. Happening. Hopefully so. Yeah, I mean, another Portugal. I'm sure to be a few interested <laughs> to head away. But no, um, it is. It's a good idea. It really is. It's all about. Like I said, we're on the cusp of greatness here, Prof. And with the the team spirit being at an all time high, I'd imagine it's 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 a no brainer, really. 
Yeah, this from Conor O'Sullivan. He said, Waterford going to Dubai is great and all, but it's not a patch on Pat Fennan bringing Roberts to India in 2016. To this day in the corridors of Tata Stadium, they still wonder how a team that included Max Blanchard and Gavin Brennan defeated Argentina. <laughs> Max got involved. Max replied with the shifty eyes. Like, he must have Googled his name. He must have typed his name into... He must do that, like, once every so often. The same with Paul Curry, except Max didn't call him a T-boy. He yeah. just gave him the shifty <laughs> eyes. boy And for those of you wondering, uh, that was the car. That was the Argentine under-23s. And we went down in the semi-finals to uh, Atletico, a British Brazilian club. And uh, this was our team. Craig Hoyland, Rob Cornwell, Simon Madden came off the bench, Luke Byrne, Dave Webster... Dave O'Connor, Pat Craig, Brandon Mealy, uh, Clark. What was Clark's first name? Dean. Dean Clark. Doesn't play anymore. Uh, Gareth McCaffrey came off the bench. Mikey Drennan, McCabe was captain. Shawzy and Danny North came off the bench. Some team. Only thought the Shawzy the other day, bro. Um, Glenmore Rovers, the Civil War could be over. I'm hoping it is over the badge. It's more. So this is a seri- happy. serious business. Slightly uh, slightly dubs looking badge. Big shout out to Glenmore Rovers as well, who are currently top of the table. They're actually taking it seriously. They're actually training and not drinking cans on the sideline. So that's a serious thing. Everybody's getting fit. Mm-hmm. Top of the league. Keep an eye out for Glenmore. Check them out on a Saturday. Walkstown Park if you can. But please, um, scrap that badge. Scrap the badge. And we also had Glenmore Flyer. Gar. It's actually I real. called it a myth. I called it the Loch Ness Monster. But it actually went on romped, Sunday. Romped to a fourth place finish. Rachel Blackmore on board and all. Yep. But it finished fifth. Uh, Tommy Tarmy says... We oh, was it fifth? Was it that was we fourth? Should, we should rename it to Nutsy. Uh, <laughs> Nutsy, yeah. fourth. Uh, we had a batch of seven new signings for the Rovers women's team before Christmas. First, three Irish internationals. Two Shelburne forwards. Abby Larkin and Leah O'Leary. Defender Eva Fleming from P-Mount and Larkin has four senior caps at the age of 17. That's a prospect prof. Yeah, Abby is a ringsender. So she has been claimed already by the Pride of Ringsend. Too late, unfortunately, to appear on her 200 special in the Irish Town House. But uh, maybe we'll have her on the show one day. So yeah, it was a batch of seven. So there was kind of, it was three and then it was four. So what were the next four, Gert? Experience Quartet. Arrived from um, Shelbourne and P-Mount United. Once again, the piss is being boiled, boiled up. The Hoops announced four more women's Premier Division squad signings. And right back, Jess Gargan. Centre half, Shauna Fox. Goalkeeper, Amanda Budden. And Lauren Kelly, who is a forward. And what we will say is there is a big push for um, some good attendances this season for the ladies. The home of Irish football, women's Irish football is Tallis Stadium, don't forget that. Free Where, amateur season ticket. Yeah, free amateur season ticket. So keep an eye on our socials, listen to the podcast, watch out for the Ultras page, look at the women's team Twitter. We're going to try and get a massive attendance for their first home game of the season. Stay tuned and please show up. My little Maya is dying to go and see it. She really is. So empower these young women and show them that they have idols that can play football as well so we're keeping an eye on our socials anyway and then we had uh, one more signing onto that we had Eva Kelly uh, another arrival from Shelburne she's another 17s international midfielder so we got these strange reactions from official club accounts just jumping back to Sligo for a second this would have been 
shortly after we signed Kenny, I think, or maybe around the time we signed John Kenny, the official Sligo account said, Would ye sign someone? And that's W-U-D-Y-E, sign with a capital S, S-U-M-1, exclamation mark. Are ye shams? That is the official Sligo account. And I then, reckon, do you know sometimes when you have two Twitter accounts, you can slide from one to another. So you click on yeah. your one. It's like your Gmail. You can slide up, down, slide down, and it goes on to the other one. That's what happened there. Had to Not work. a good idea. And then we had... So obviously the, the rumours were circulating about all these women's players we were going to sign from Shelburne. We were we were getting four, four of their best players. And so then around that time, the official Shelburne account tweeted the following... Though cowards flinch and traitors traitors sneer, we'll keep flying the red flag flying here. Or sorry, we'll keep the red flag flying here. And they put up a picture. So, which is a totally rational response to a 17-year-old girl moving to a new team. Apparently this tweet was planned for a while as well. It was deleted soon afterwards. It's coincidence, isn't it? But some strange stuff going on and... Like uh, this, um, I think this is a Shelburne fan. He he hit them hard over this. He said, The official club accounts tweet regularly about mental health, and rightly so. But then sending out a tweet aimed at a kid calling her a traitor is unbelievable stuff. Embarrassing stuff from the club, simply not good enough. Either way, it shouldn't have happened. Calling anyone of any age or sex a traitor because they move club and official accounts is embarrassing. Simply yeah. bullying... We all laughed at balls for advertising a job on their socials. Now we're the laughing stock of the LOI. And not the first time they've, they've had mad shit from the <laughs> Shelburne yeah. official account. Watch and your mates and all Do you notice they, they advertise a new role there? No. What, which, oh yeah, they're so, looking for a new media guy so, so they should get him the boot. He might have got the bullet over that. Yeah. I think our worst one, and I say worst, it was very... It was just banter, as Richard Keyes would say. Yeah. But I think it was Theo Keddy who does the does their Twitter. Remember, the Bray Honours years ago called themselves North Korea. <laughs> so our last game of the season, coming up, I think, was Bray. So then we, we, we tweeted, right, we're off to North Korea next. That is literally the worst thing I can think of. Yeah, no, from our we, official no, we're account, okay as well, aren't we? No, which, we're okay. which isn't even that bad. But the fact that that's the worst I can think of shows the level of professionalism. Yeah. No, we are. We're pretty good. We're solid. We're tight. Air tight. Um, yeah, so that's it for the ladies' section. Like we said, um, big, big game. Landmark game in our history as well, so it's definitely worth getting down for. Um, get you ourselves down to the opening fixture. We'll be back with more info on that, but it's part two of the Tifties Hotline Prof. And uh, here we go. Yellow. Davey McAllister, former Rovers player and academy coach and previous winner of the Tifties 2019 quiz. How are you, Prof? Sorry for the delay in getting back to you. Um, I'll rattle through a few of these answers here now. So my personal highlight was the final this year. Um, I just think I had everything... Obviously, yeah, the Messi winning at the goals, Mbappe coming back from 2-0 down, Di Maria's goal, 
and then uh, Alexis McAllister winning the World Cup, so me cousin. Um, the best TV pundit, I suppose, I have to say, Duffer, don't I? Uh, now, to be fair, he's up there, the way he's, he's so straight talking and, and calls a spade a spade. He's definitely in the top three, but uh, Roy Keane for me is box office. You just don't know what's going to come out of his mouth, so he's he's golden. Uh, the worst one, I'd probably say Martin Keown. Um, just some of the stuff, it might be for his commentary that I have him down as the worst, but some of the stuff he done was just strange. Um, my favourite World Cup was the 1998 one. I was only 10 years old, so that's probably always my favourite. There was just a magic about it. And the standout moment was the final again. Just Sedan getting the two goals, Petit scoring late, beating Brazil 3-0, Ronaldo or 9 I just remember getting a football after the game and going out onto the green and playing and just dreaming that one day you could play in it. So, yeah, there was a bit of a magic around that one. I didn't go anywhere this Christmas. I was actually struck down with the virus that was going around. Uh, not COVID, but I was... I was feeling pretty rough for a couple of days. I got a few nice presents, um, some dad presents, so some nice clothes and and socks and stuff like that. And I got a nice new razor as well, so I'll be clean shaven at the games this year. Um, I've no New Year's resolution. I've got number three kid on the way in January, so whatever resolution I made would probably be broken in a few weeks anyway. I'd love to say I'll start going to the gym or getting to bed early, but it's not going to happen once the new baby arrives. Um, the meal I go for <coughs> I got a new barbecue a Weber barbecue there over the summer so that's become my speciality now my go to a nice steak and potato rosties with pepper sauce and garlic mushrooms my favourite takeaway food would be I used to be a big Indian fan and was a new Thai arrived out my way so I've become a Thai food that's probably going to be my favourite one now I have to say um, my funniest, my fondest memory of a pre-season friendly, or funniest, um, I'll probably say the one, I'll keep it Rovers related, where um, yeah, I got sent off over in Portugal, Dan Carr pulled someone's hair and it ended up being a big melee and your man got sent off for them, then I got sent off and then I got suspended over there, so basically... I was over there in pre-season, we played three games and I was suspended, so it was a strange one. And then Gary Shaw got sent off in the next game, so yeah, it was funny enough. Um, and yeah, watching from the sidelines then as well, I suppose, that was uh, that was the one then. It was, it was over there, me and Shaw, he suspended in pre-season, it was like a, it was like a stag do over there. Um, the most iconic goal celebration, now I don't know if you've asked everyone the same questions, so I'm sure a lot of people are going to pick Rory Gaffney's goal, the winner against Shells, but of course I can't pick that one. So I'm going to take a different spin on it, and I'm going to say Dan Carr's backflip celebrations are pretty iconic, and I think they put a lot of bums on seats, and, and the young fans tend to love that. Uh, the worst refereeing decision I've ever witnessed in the Talat era Probably has to be um, myself getting a yellow card for a tackle on Chris Shields in the FAI Cup semi-final. It was Neil Doyle gave me my second yellow card and to be honest, I don't know how he gave it as a second yellow card because it should have been a straight red. 
So that was probably the worst. Next season will be a big season for, I'd like to say, Trevor Clark. Um, such an exciting player when I played with him and, and uh, really took the league by storm that year. Some of the goals he scored and his energy and his enthusiasm. Um, yeah, so I hope he comes back and and is, uh, hits the ground running, except for when he's playing against Shelburne. Uh, the toughest coaches, the one I'd avoid getting into a fist fight with. Uh, to be fair, there's a good group there. There's, out of the ten of them, there's a few. Uh, I'd say it'd be a good old scrap. I'd probably say Colin Healy, though. He just uh, he gives you that look, and he he looks very serious, so I'd probably avoid him. And the one I'd most fancy me chance, I'm not going to say which one. Um, I'll I'd leave the gaffer to fight them out, and then uh, Joey can take the assistance, and I'll probably go for the goalkeeping coaches, uh, someone like Jose. So I'd fancy me chances against him. But yeah, that's it, Prof. Anyway, um, any other questions, send them on. Uh, Kevin Fitzpatrick here. How you doing? Happy New Year to all. Um, in my opinion, the best podcast this year have been uh, number one, Anto Wilkes in Mexico. Number two, Ray Senior and Junior Whelan. Uh, number three, Con Murphy and Gareth Partree. Uh, I usually listen to the podcast at gym or at home as it co- as it comes out to keep up to date and keep it fresh. Uh, strangest place probably uh probably just driving along and then near crashing after hearing Ray Whalen's joke about the Queen Mother. Uh, the the best thing about the World Cup by Argentina when it was great to see. Pundits not really bothered. Keen and Sunus are good. I don't really have a worse one. Um standout World Cup probably Italian ninety because the whole country coming to a standstill for those couple of weeks was was unforgettable. Um I watched the Romania game. I was lucky to get into my mum and dad probably to uh, the old Chinaman pub, and a few of the young lads got in. We were able to watch it without the barman noticing. And uh, when when Paki Bonner saved the penalty, then everyone ran out onto the road and stopped traffic and all. But a lot of us headed down to the side lane, which is the back of uh, Dublin Castle, where there was a government meeting on. Margaret Thatcher was there, and she got a few nice uh, she got a nice welcome from us. Put it that way. Um, Christmas was special, uh, it was just us at home, normally we were elsewhere, so it was good to be at home for a change. Uh, I got a lovely present of a nice Adidas trainers. Uh, my New Year's resolution, more away games and enjoy life. Uh, meal I cook lately, my favourite is a seafood chowder. It's a favourite in our home, a little kick of a cayenne pepper. Um, favourite takeaway has to be rice curry, of course. Pre-season, I go to some uh, fondest memories of a few, actually. Celtic came over to play Rovers, the RDS 91. That was a good game. Was Tony Cascarino scored his first goal for Celtic, I think it was. Uh, but it was good, good little Rovers support. I was happy to be a Rovers fan that day. Uh, but my standout memory was uh, Paul Osam's testimonial around 2002, Rovers in Pats in Richmond. And... Uh, I think Mick, Mick Leach togged out our Rovers that day. But Pat's had a few guests playing for them as well. Brian Kerr and Paul McGrath at the back. And he came over to take a throw. And at the time, he was doing ads for um, Marathon Sports. I think it was Champion Sports. 
and someone shouted down, hey, Paul, Martin Sports are outside, they're going to get you. And he just looked up and went, oh, thanks, lads. Um, best goal celebration in Tala had to be, uh, obviously, I'd say a few people say this Twiggy against Bowles. I mean, it was, it meant more, the celebration, it, it just, when he ran up to them, it was just like, Rovers are here now. You know, they had won two in a row, and we said, we, Twiggy scoring, and just, we ran in front of him and then he got up there and he ran around the goal and over to the east stand and it was just an unforgettable day that was uh, worst refereeing decisions there's a few to point out but they've always been European games which you expect to be spot on I always find that we don't get decisions in them games uh, I'm hoping for a big season for um, Graham Bork my favourite current player I hope he stays injury free and bangs in plenty of goals He's on fire, he's on fire. So, uh, toughest coaches. I'd avoid Andy Moyler. Tough player he was for us. Um, but I'd fancy me chances against Declan Devoyne as he manages that lot from Dublin 7, so he's likely to run away. Thank you. Hi, lads, it's Aaron Rogan here. Um, so, in terms of the best podcast features the second half of the year, uh, my favourite was uh, Con Murphy and Graham Gartland after we'd won, after we'd won the league. Um, I always loved listening to Graham and it's just it was a nice sort of celebratory moment to look back in the season um, a really good season uh, the second one was that clown from Macedonia because even listening to it before the match you could just tell he hadn't a notion of what we were about or the quality we had and the third one was uh, Luke Demesh before the Hibs of Malta match um, just thought it was an interesting interview and the sort of thing you wouldn't really get anywhere else um, and I just listened to the podcast in the, the gym of the car and never really any place strange. Um, in terms of my highlight of the World Cup, I was trying to think of an interesting answer or something that everyone else isn't going to say, but it has to be the final. Um, it was just the last 40 minutes or however long of it was just class. It was just everything you want from a final and I think nothing we've ever really got from a World Cup final before. And it was just amazing to see Messi finally win it you know it was just brilliant um, I don't have much patience for TV pundits at the, the moment um, so I can't really pick a best or worst one I just think they've gone very um, I don't know they, they, they just seem to be performing a lot now there doesn't seem to be any discussion between pundits uh, unless it's a big dramatic performance like Neville and Carragher or that sort of thing um, and I can never understood when you know, there's everyone on Twitter is retweeting something Roy Keane said and it's just the most obvious criticism of a team where he's like, you know, a Everton or crap or whatever and people are going, oh, this is amazing, but I just don't have much patience for it. But but actually during the World Cup, because uh, I was working from home for a good bit of it, but I did actually have to work, I was listening on um, BBC Radio to a good few of the matches and they'd have pundits on from the individual countries that were playing. So you'd get a Moroccan football journalist or wherever, wherever they were from. And I thought they gave like a interesting insight into, you know, how those countries were viewing their progress or what the football culture was like in, in different countries that you wouldn't really have heard about otherwise. So that was pretty good. Uh, Favourite ever World Cup? Probably 94, because it was the first. I remember 1990 vaguely, but I was five. But 94 was just... It, it was... You know, I think everyone knew what to do after Italia 90 in, in Ireland. So it's just like it was the whole country was stopped for all the matches. There was parties. It, just, it, it was just class. And um, I don't think there was really a standout moment. I suppose the, the Houghton goal. But it was just 
it, it was just it, it felt it was a class summer and just being that young and everything. Um, in terms of Christmas, uh, my little girl Rose just turned four before Christmas, so it was all about that, and Santa was all about that. So that was nice getting to see her getting dead excited for Santa, and then you know I'm Santa, so it was that was nice. Um, I don't do New Year's resolutions at all. Um, no plans for self improvement in in any way. Uh, in terms of my speciality meal, um, I cook most of the dinners in in our house. Um, I really like cooking a roast chicken, because uh, the house smells class for a while after that. Um, and in terms of speciality, actually, I suppose when uh, this is going to sound dead posh, but when it's my wife's birthday or we have something big to celebrate, uh, we go out to uh, Bullock Harbour near Docky and you can buy lobsters from the the fishermen there. They bring in their lobster pots um, and you can buy them there and they're cheap and they're delicious. Um, my favourite takeaway food is, oh, at the moment, it's definitely um, Bambino's Pizza in town. Um, getting a bit obsessed with that at the moment. Um, in terms of pre-season games, uh, I can't stand them. Uh, I hate going to pre-season matches. I hate going to friendlies, so I don't really do it. I haven't done it in a long time. It just feels like... Uh, it feels like, you know, it feels like watching a film on a flight where the... Uh, dub over all the curse words like it feels like they've taken something like a feel you know you're at a match and rovers are playing so you should be excited and it should feel good but like it just it's just a bit dead uh and my only funny memory isn't isn't a pre-season match it was a mid-season it was a summer break one uh against man united in i think 2010 or 2011 uh, it was a sunday and i've no idea why we went up but we went up and uh we tried to bring our naggins and our Coke bottles in and the steward wouldn't let us in with them. Uh, and we weren't going to give up the naggins. So we sat in the car park and drank them instead of watching the first half an hour or half of the match anyway. And then when we went in, it was like, it was just awful. It was Gary Neville. It was the United Reserves maybe or something, but it was Gary Neville with a bigger belly than me running around or trying to run around. And I think we left after about 15 minutes, minutes of watching it. And that sort of, sums up pre-season friendlies for me. Uh, the most iconic goal celebration in Tala, um, for a player, I think it has to be Twiggy lying down in front of Bowes in 2010. Uh, and then in terms of from the fans, uh, it's probably Twiggy again. It was the year before, the first year in Tala, the two in two minutes. Um, I just remembered the mayhem of the the equaliser going in and we were still celebrating that when he scored the second and it was just the one standing talent and if when we were celebrating that second one it felt like there was 50,000 people in it it was just electric it was just it was everything that Rovers is about it was just just so good uh, the worst refereeing decision it has to be Grace being sent off for the ball hitting him in the face uh, a few years ago it was just such an obviously wrong decision at a big moment and there's no way the ref or I think it was the linesman that might have given that but it was, there was no way they could have seen what they thought they saw so they just shouldn't have made the decision um, next season will be a big season for Bradley um, I I don't think any players bar the new signings have much to prove Um. I think most of the squad, definitely in terms of their age profile, are playing at their level. 
uh, you know they're they're the best in their position are in the league, uh, so there's not really much room for them to improve. I wouldn't think, um, but it's a big one for Bradley. I mean, he turned down Lincoln last year. He got to the group stages. He's pretty much improved every year since he's become manager. Um, he's the he's the main person at the club who can show that he is, uh, higher levels he can get to, um. But to do it, you know, it sounds, it sounds sort of egotistical from a Rovers point of view. But to do it, he has to win the league and he has to get to the group stages. He has to do what he did last year. And he probably has to do better in the group stages. He has to show that he can balance group stage football with the end of the league season, which is just going to be so much harder this year because there's a few teams who'll be probably be in it closer to the, the end of the season than there was this year. Uh, but, but I think... It is a big season. It's the big season for the club, but it's a big season for Bradley because he's taken a long time to turn around the club into a league-winning club again. He's done that. Um, he's solidified it. And it's been an amazing achievement so far, but, but he's the man there who can who can go on again. Uh, in terms of the toughest coaches, uh, I'll have to be honest and say pretty much any of them would knock the head off me. Um, me maybe maybe I'd fancy my chances with Duff but I'd probably get slapped around by any of them so I'll have to just admit that uh, thanks lads this is Sean Lester for Teftis Hotline in my opinion the best features of the podcast have to have been one Connor's Corner two Con Murphy and Graham Gartland part three and three Noel Hunt I usually listen to the podcast in the car on the way to home and away matches, or on the way to work. I haven't listened to the podcast anywhere strange, unless you count on the way to Daily Mount Park as a strange place. The highlight in the World Cup for me was definitely seeing the GOAT Messi win the World Cup. I watched the World Cup matches on RTE, and I'd have to say Joey and Dal was the best, and I'd have to probably give the worst to Damien Duff. 2010 was my favourite World Cup as we were in Spain when Spain were playing the World Cup and won it and the atmosphere was just unreal. For Christmas, I just stayed at home. I got a Leeds jersey with my favourite player on it, Gellhart, and the number 30 on the back. I also got my Rover South Stand season ticket, a Life Festival ticket and then I just got little bits. My New Year's resolution is to finally get a car and also go to most of the Rovers away games as last season I was in work for most of it. I don't really cook as I'm in work most of the time but when I do cook I like to make chicken pasta because it's so quick and so easy to make. My go-to takeaway would definitely be a curry. I haven't gone to many of the pre-season games as I was always in work last season when they were on but this season I'm definitely going to try to get to a few of them. Last season it had to have been Richie Tell for the best celebration I've seen in Tallis Stadium when he celebrated in front of all the Dundalk fans. It was just so funny to see their reaction. Or I also loved when Gaffney and the South Stand ball boy did their little celebration in front of the South Stand. I'd probably say any decision that Neil Doyle or Rob Harvey make has to be the worst decisions. 
every time I see their name come up before a match that they're refereeing, I just don't get surprised by any of the decisions they make. Next season, I think would be a big season for Sean Kavanagh. He had a good few games whenever he played last season. Every player makes their mistakes, but I think Cavo will have a great season once he doesn't get injured. I think Damien Duff is probably one of the toughest coaches. You see his reaction before, during and after the matches. He seems to have some attitude problem. I think Stephen Bradley would give Rory Higgins a good fist fight. Higgins seems to always back down from a fight and last season proved that. Thanks for having me thanks for having me on and keep on hooping. Morning Carl, happy new year to you. Paul McGrath here. Um no surprise at yourself sending out the text message for the hotline. Gary Parsons nowhere to be seen. Probably doing his best to move the hardcore over support away from talent and match nights as usual. Down to Kimmage or Ranel or Rat Williams, wherever he can get twenty five people into a warm, sweaty room. Um, my favourite podcast of 2022, Oscar Janssen, Dominic Foley. Really enjoyed them. Uh, listened to two former League of Ireland players and who had played in the likes of Scandinavia and Belgium and stuff. Um, yeah, I've done those two trips, so it was good to hear their, their view of their leagues and their standards and stuff and how far they are ahead of ourselves uh, or ahead of the League of Ireland. Also enjoyed the, the, the Ray and Ray Senior podcast. Um, good to hear the the different arrangements that need to be made for travelling away and the different uh, the horror stories of the likes of Louis Robertson and stuff like that. Um, really felt for you, Carl, during the James Keddie interview. It was like pulling teeth trying to get answers out. No crack whatsoever. Um, had to turn her off after literally five minutes. Couldn't couldn't listen to his voice. Uh, I'd probably rather, although I'd probably rather be stuck in a room with him than, than uh, Kieran Stafford and Pat Tutti talking football. You know how bad they can be. Uh, I usually listen to the podcast in the morning time. Uh, if we go out for a run before I walk, just throw the earphones in, gets me through it fairly easy. Uh, most unusual place I've listened to the podcast is Ukraine. Uh, went to Kiev last year um, with the missus for, uh, yeah, for personal reasons. Have to go back, hopefully in the next year, with all these shy stops. Beautiful city, definitely recommend it um, once everything picks up over there. Uh, yeah, the, the, the final, I suppose, of the World Cup was definitely my highlight. Um, didn't get to see it live. Had to turn my phone off at 2 o'clock. Didn't turn it back on until 9 o'clock that night. Uh, got home about 6. Had it recorded. Best best decision I've ever made, not to hear the score. Um, I was walking out of a place and one lad said to me, did you see the, did you see the game? And I said, no, I have it recorded. He goes, you'll, you'll really, really enjoy it, which obviously I did. Um, my favourite pundit, Zabaleta. Uh, on BBC, I thought he was very good throughout the tournament, especially in the final. You could see how emotionally involved he was. Uh, half time, he was over the moon. Full time, he was absolutely good, real emotional. Um, and yeah, yeah, obviously he was. He would have known a lot of the squad, so I thought it was very good to listen to him. I suppose the worst pundit, any woman on RT, probably shouldn't say it, but I'm just gonna call a spade a spade. Actually, not not bad on BBC, uh, but some of the women on RT are just terrible. Uh, Favourite World Cup would have been 2002, I think I was 14 at the time, knew every footballer, uh, that Brazil side, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, uh, Ronaldo as well, brilliant. Um, Favourite moments, probably the, probably the, I think it was the quarterfinals, wasn't it, Turkey, that game was a great game. Uh, Christmas presents, um, not a two-star Rovers jersey anyway, 
heading to Lisbon with the missus and a few of the lads and their girlfriends. So doing that in January, at the end of January, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, New Year's resolution, spend more time with family. Uh, and out of that WhatsApp group we're in, because we spend about four hours a day in it. Um, I'm, I'm probably encouraging others to, to do a bit more exercise uh, without making it obvious. Kieran Stafford, get the get the kilometres in. You lose that weight that you had uh, in town the other night. Um, I'm not really a great cook, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I make a gel crazy and I think it's great, but it's it's buying average. It's not it's not a patch on any takeaway you get. Um, the takeaways would be either an Indian or a pizza. Um, you'll probably have to give it a ten minute slot alone for that one for for Kieran. Um, so he can he can explain. What what dish he has out of each takeaway? Um, for, I usually go to the the usually go to the preseason friendlies unless they're they, they're away or um especially with Europe and stuff like that. I've kind of stayed away from the away ones, but I did do one last year. They the one to down in Limerick, Fairview Rangers. Great trip went on. Uh, went on the Wack Express, I think it was. Yeah, it was with Maloney, Vinny, uh, Chester, John Lawrence, good crack. Great day out, um, great reception, great invite down there, straight into that bar. Um, good points, late winner, uh, good day all round. I suppose the obvious one, uh, obvious celebration has to be the Gary Twig one. I can't think of any other celebration that has a t-shirt made up for it. Um, I've had like a save when it comes to refereeing decisions and stuff like that, but probably the... The worst one I can remember, I think, was against Bowles, was the, the Grace handball. The ref gave a penalty and it clearly hit his face. Um, that was a terrible decision. I think he ended up getting sent off in that game. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an awful decision. I think that probably two players that, that have a big season ahead of them. Ferrazoy, Fer, uh, um, big season ahead, obviously. He's, I think he is looking for a move abroad at some stage. Could be next year, but he needs to start cementing his place in that, in that fourth team get more game time. He looks a really good prospect. And I'd love to see Borg come back on. He's probably my favourite Rovers player. He should be getting 15 goals a season. 10 to 15 goals anyway. Um, needs to stay, stay fit. And needs to stay in the team as well. Uh, and then, manager I wouldn't want to be in a railway. Uh, probably Rory Higgins. Guard was a good impression of him. You'd probably have spit in your eye. Wouldn't be able to see. Getting punched around. But, uh, I think we all want Reddy Collins back in the league. Obviously not with us, but he'd punch the hand off absolutely every other uh, manager. I've listened to his book while I was on holiday there in November. Brilliant book, very funny. Not an ounce of it is true, but I definitely recommend it. Um, pretty sure you're going to have Kieran Stafford on after this, but there's a famous quote out there. If I had a gun with two bullets and it was in a room with Hitler, Bin Laden and Kieran Stafford, I'd shoot Stafford twice. Cheers, lads. Good luck. How's lads? Kieran Stafford here. Big happy new year to everyone. And I'd like to take this opportunity to apologise on behalf of Gary and Carl to the listeners for having to listen to that absolute simpleton that was on before me. Best features in the second half of 2022. I'll always be a big fan of the hotline, particularly the European ones. I've been very fortunate to have been on um, 11 or 12 European trips now. So uh, I really enjoy listening to how people experience these trips differently. I really enjoyed Noel Hunt's interview, um, but Billy Denny's was definitely my favourite. I loved Denny, and in my opinion, he's arguably the most underrated Hughes player in the Talat era. And what he's doing down in Kerry now is brilliant for the greater domestic game. Connor Foley is one of the funniest men I've ever met, so Connor's corner has to 
get a mention at some point. I didn't even realise that Paul McGrath featured as a special guest at some point. Must have been a seriously slow week. <laughs> Can you imagine getting your hopes up thinking you're about to listen to an Irish icon only to find out it's some chill up from Tala? Fuck me. Finally, a shout out to the two islands, two gentlemen. Where do I usually listen to Tifties? I normally listen throughout the workday. Like an awful lot of people uh, post-COVID, I work a hybrid model. So I work a few days at home, a few days in the office. So when I'm working at home, um, I tend to have it on in the background. Weirdest place I've ever listened to? I, I don't really recall listening to anywhere weird. So for this one, I'm going to mention walking into my room in Stockholm um, and finding James Lowe asleep with his earphones in, listening to the podcast. So you can take that whatever way you want. Personal highlight of the World Cup, there's only one answer there. Messi lifting the trophy. He's the best that will ever kick a football, in my opinion. I, I never have, nor will I ever be so emotionally invested in something that I've absolutely zero allegiance to. And I consider it an absolute privilege to have watched his career and to watch that you know, being the pinnacle of his career. It was the best and worst TV pundit during the tournament. Now, this is an opportunity for me to get something off my chest. One of the things I just don't understand is people's obsession with Joey and Doe. He's just insufferable to listen to. Shouting random nonsense and making random noises does not make him entertaining. In the same way, it doesn't make Lee Evans a good comedian. I'd sooner to listen to that Paul McGrath podcast and listen to Joey and Doe commentating again. And I say this begrudgingly, and it might be because it was the best out of a bad bunch, but Ali McCoy was actually really good to listen to in that tournament. I know that might upset a few people, but, you know, it is what it is. Earliest World Cup memories. Uh, the first I have was 2002. Um, I was only seven at the time, so I was far too young to understand the magnitude of Roy Kane leaving the camp. But the novelty of everyone getting up ridiculously early in the morning to watch games, and as well as, I can't remember what game it was, but I, I remember specifically um, my entire school going to the school hall and watching one of the games on a big projector. It was like a national holiday, it was fucking great. Just the <laughs> Stuff like that just sticks with you when you're younger. Anywhere special for Christmas and what did Santa get me? Christmas Day is always done in my house, well, my family home. Um, Stafford's cousin and the rest of the family came up and my ma certainly didn't, didn't disappoint with another exceptional dinner. Uh, sadly, I'm at the age of my life where getting new jocks and a haircut voucher is the is the highlight of my Santa. Um, it's a sad state of affairs when that's all you have to look forward to. Special meal that I cook. Um, to, to be perfectly honest, like a lot of people, I only really started taking. I won't even say taking an interest. I only really started cooking over COVID out of sheer boredom. Um, I do decent pasta dishes. Or sorry, so I've been led to believe by the family. Um, I'm more of a baker. Uh, I do an absolutely incredible Nutella and Kinder Bueno brownie. Um, I'll have to provide some for the podcast one. The next fifties bus. We'll have a batch of Nutella and Kinder Bueno brownies uh, for all the lads on the bus. Favourite takeaway? I'm actually more of a go-out-and-eat person. Um, I, I don't really order stuff in that often. I love going out to eat. But I'll give a shout-out to Presto's Chipper and Bat Avenue. For anyone that's listening that's familiar with it, they know the gig. It's top tier. Um, for anyone that's not familiar with it, if you're ever in the Rings End Bat Avenue vicinity, um, make sure you visit it. It's the best fish super you'll possibly ever get in your entire life. Do I go to many Rovers pre-season games? Um, before fans are banished from attending these top-secret pre-season games a couple of years ago, I'd have tried to get out to a couple um, if they were in Tallaght or Roadstone. 
Despite this, I'm slightly scarred by the memory that of Stephen Kenny's pre-season back in the day when we were absolutely slaughtering teams and Kerry Gilbert looked like a good footballer. We obviously all know how that turned out. Uh, fondest or funniest pre-season memory? Well, I was one of the, the people that experienced the Atlantic Cup, um, so I can't really look past that. Maybe that went out for a, a few days break in, was it February? Um, we stayed in Albuquerque, but for what for something that was supposed to be a preseason tournament, that was a fucking insane few days. One thing I always feel people never actually talk about um, is the Rovers lads getting on the pitch at half time in the game against Hammerby and taking shots on target while the subs are trying to warm up. It was absolutely mad. Um, in summary, bring back the Atlantic Cup. What's the most iconic goal celebration I've seen live in Tala? To be honest, I've mulled this one over for the last couple of days. Um, I mean, this season alone, well, sorry, last season, um, Gary O'Neill's goal against Scoopy and Gaffney's goal against Shell sparked some of the wildest celebrations you'll ever see in Tala. And I don't think anyone will ever forget them. But in terms of iconic, um, it's t one of two twig moments for me. The first being him running the length of the stand after a second in that infamous game against Bowles where he grabbed the badge. I've quite literally never seen as many people fall down <laughs> sets of stairs. Like there was bodies everywhere from that. It was absolutely insane. And and as as Mamie Da actually discussed the other day, it's actually probably the game that cemented Tala as the new home for Rovers. Um and then the second one is obviously him sitting in front of the away end. After absolutely turning Kenoman inside out in that training win against Bowles the Sunday after Modena. I mean, I was very fortunate enough to be in Modena. Um so I mean that that is one of like that that's a week or a, a period of a few days I'll never forget. It was just I think I was I was fifteen or sixteen. I think it was fifteen. It was actually it was actually my junior here present. Um so that was just, you know, probably one of the best weeks of my life. Worst refereeing decision ever witnessed in Tala. Well, people that know me know that I have a particular dislike for referees in this country at all levels. That's not just restricted to League of Ireland. No matter what level of football you play in Ireland, whether it be League of Ireland or United Churches League, it's guaranteed that 95% of referees are fucking brutal. Now, in saying that, after watching some of the officiating in the Europa Conference League last year, I'd be questioning my own viewpoint nearly. Um, for that reason alone, the first Molde goal in Tala um, had deserves a mention. Your man has obviously since gone on to sign for Chelsea. He fucking must have known that he was on Chelsea's radar because the cunt was that far offside. He was nearly in Stamford Bridge. Worst domestic decision still goes to that wanker McLaughlin for that league race handball where it hit him square in the face. Like, can you imagine playing against your biggest rivals and, you know, everyone, you're at home and everyone's fucking buzzing and you get a wallop of the ball in the face and you get a penal and get sent off. Like, it's just... And a particular dig at linesmen these days. I don't understand what linesmen are there for anymore. Like, they can't even give simple decisions to throw-ins. There might be a, a throw-in decision in front of them and they're looking at the referee for guidance. I don't fucking understand it. It actually infuriates me. I wish I hadn't asked that question. Next season will be a massive season. I mean, I, I could go down the media route and kind of say, oh, Ferrazoi or Tete. But for me, it's a massive year for Neil Ferrugia. Um, the tail end of last season, it's it was his best since he signed for Elvers. And he showed why we signed him in the first place. If, if he can stay injury-free and maintain the confidence that he showed um, towards the end of last season, he will be a huge player for us next year. 
And a manager that I'd want to avoid getting into a fight with and who would I fancy my chances against. I don't think I'd fancy a dig off Rory Higgins. Um, but then again, listening to some of his interviews this year with that mundane, monotonous voice are arguably more painful than any dig he could ever hit me. Um, the second part is a very simple answer. I'd love to kick the box out of Damien Duff. And out now, fucking cabbage. Cheers, lads. Man the hoops. So, uh, nicest man in football... Possibly Dave McAllister. Coolest guy in football. <laughs> just a just good crack. Like he he radiates like niceness, you know? Shaw's he's up there with him. Yeah, who else? Who yeah, else another I've, nice I've guy? I've kept in touch. I've kept in touch with Davey um in the last couple of years. Yeah, he's just he's such a gent. Yeah, he's got that big fucking cheeky head in him, hasn't he? It just kinda draws you towards him. Yeah. Uh Gav Fitz. Uh, resident Glenn Malore, 1899 DJ. I love that he picked Anto Wilkes for his top interview. Deadly, deadly story, man. Really was. Uh, Aaron Rogan, former classmate of the profs. That's it, yeah. Wrote a book on Paddy Power. Yeah. Shannon Lester, young up-and-coming hoops fanatic. And uh, the two boys dueling it out in the next blue collar. <laughs> has to be, doesn't it? Blue collar boxing, Polly McGrath. And Karen Absolutely slating each other. Um, looking forward to Staff's Nutella and Kinder Brownies oh yes uh, can't wait for that as long as we're putting the Kinders in the correct orifice in the <laughs> yeah I will say I do have another specialty prof it is called a Straboffy right like Staff says I'm more of a baker because uh, obviously Blair takes over she's a good cook she does all that stuff plus I get accused of burning everything but here we go it's called Straboffy right so biscuits start off with your biscuits you get your Maryland cookies, the good stuff. You get your digesters. You mash them up. You get the melted butter. You put it in. That makes your base, right? Lovely, rich, golden base. And then depends what you want to put in that base as well. If you want to add in a little bit of chocolate into that, you can. But the base is perfect. Put it down. Boom. Get your base. Get your caramel. Get your caramel all over it. Get your strawberries. Chop them up. Put them down. Get your fresh cream. Whip it up. Get your cream. Put it down. Then you put Maltesers. Then you put flake. And then you let it set for maybe eight hours. And then you're in heaven. That is the Straboffy surprise. You can take your time, do whatever you want with it. I like it's fantastic. And if you want to be a freak, you can put a banana in it. But other than that, I won't be dealing with you. <laughs> Keep your bananas away. I like the sound of that, but uh, you are clearly going on a cooking show on RG. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning this towards This is the next that. step for you now. You but the Straboffy surprise is, uh, is my specialty. But um, yeah, like I said, don't get bananas near me. Other notes I had here. Uh, two people picked the Belgian expert. Which uh, surprised me. I thought that was very average compared to the other interviews. But um, maybe I understood the reasoning because people are saying they're on their way. to And they like hearing about the other team. So I kind of get that. Shannon with uh, a little quip about the strangest place listening to the show on the bus to Daily Mount. Yeah, yeah. She she went with the, mer- the Merrow pronunciation, uh, Tefties. T- yeah. Uh, can't, can't be happening. Don't know about that now. But yeah, good variety to the answers. Um, for our podcast features which I loved like a lot of different picks whereas the referee question I think like 99% went for Grace um, I'm trying to think back on any other ones can you can you think of them I mean it's we've had bad performances overall Harvey had some bad sendings off didn't he send Luke Bourne off before mm. it was very poor who was in charge again for the Pats game last season we won 4-1 because he just he had Two or three absolute clangers. In the oh game. yeah, the one where your man scored early in our favour. At the call, he scored early. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It was it was ridiculous. It was really poor. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, so the, some really good the, answers there, Prof. Happy for those that. of you um listening from day one, you might you might notice that was a bit of a throwback there, that question. Because Dave McAllister and we had him in Johnny Blues, we asked him that toughest questions or toughest managers question. We asked him to rank them one to ten. But the first person we ever did that was actually Paggio. We asked him to rank the managers in order of toughness. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a trial back there. Me and Debbie had a great minds think alike, as he said. He picked World Cup 98, his favourite World Cup. That's mine as well. Uh, Indian and Thai field. For me, the so, World Cup had to be 2002. Ronaldinho. And because Ireland were in it. I, yeah, obviously, yeah. it was that was that was amazing. Lobbing Davis Seaman. That was an epic moment. I remember watching it live. But I think there's something about 98, because I'm, I'm a bit older than you. And I'm like... Something about that tournament, Brazil. Oh, I loved all the jerseys. The fatigue all always stays in my mind. As I think well. I was just going into secondary school that summer, so yeah. it was something about that particular time that I loved those teams and Brazil and all those. It was players. a golden era, though, wasn't it? The nineties going into the early two thousands, but I just thought something about that uh, that Brazil team t- in two thousand two. Mm. It just did it for me. Ronaldo had a mustache on his head. <laughs> so that was part yeah. two. Anyway, thanks everybody for for uh, dialing in. And yeah, it was a good, wasn't it? We'll have predictions coming up after this. I think what maybe in a week or two we're gonna have our predictions hotline. You could say we're gonna have a couple. Yeah. We're gonna do them. We used to do this ourselves every year. We put down most cards, most reds, most assists, and we put it in a book and we just look back on it at the end of the mm-hmm. season. So there we had uh, we had Bocker who played in the Twiggy Derby twenty ten, and we had Debbie Mack who was in the dugout on the wrong end of the late winner versus Shelburne. So yeah. there was a nice link there in the epic celebrations. So in total we had two ex-Rovers players, uh, three if you count Stafford. We had uh, eight hotline debutants. That's a stretch. <laughs> eight hotline hotline debutants, although two of them had been on the show before, Davy and Bocker. We had one fake name, I refuse to believe that's his name. And we had one who was really chewing the scenery here. <laughs> really chewing that scenery. Chewing it up. Oh God. Gav Fitz, DJ Gav as well, don't forget, superstar DJ. Um, and of course Prof we had 36 days till we're back in league action as of today and it's starting the tenseness the nerves the predictions who we think is going to go down well um, as regards to our squad I think I was doing it out today in work and I remember me and you were having a little chat about it uh, we both agree that Ferrugia is probably going to be our right back we we definitely think that we're, we're light in the middle of the park this is an overall thing I think all fans think that we're light in the middle of the park. So a centre midfielder possibly. But if we were to think of our squad, we'll chat about the squad briefly. So we've got Poles and Manus. And if you're going to play left wing back, you're going to have Clark and Cavo, right? So you have Clark and Cavo, right, left wing back. And Ferruja and Finn, right wing back, let's say. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have a solid core on your in your defence, you're going to play. I can't see Gannon playing right wing back, so you've got Gannon, Hor, Pico, Cleary, and Grace. That's that's five superb centre halves. Who can Hor can play centre mid, Grace or uh, Gannon can play right wing back. But I think we we definitely need legs in the middle, which is something that we've been talking about for a long time. Possibly cover at wing back, and let's be honest, I think a centre mid with legs is centre top <laughs> priority. Do you have legs? Do you sir? have legs? Last thing we need to know, lads, has he got legs? So, our, our, we spoke about the Burke, Bourne, Burt, trifecta of bees. That's looking good. We're liking that. We've Ferrazoi who can slot in there. We've Watts. So, 
happy enough with that area but another striker I think is on the cards as well because you've got Kenny Jack and Bur- and Kenny Jack and Gaffney but you could push Bork up into the striker role if it's needed but I definitely think that we need to push the boat out as regards to getting another player in You could, in terms of the striker department you could look at it and say well we only play one up front yeah. so do we need three top strikers but it's more a long term thing we don't want to be in a position again where we're going away to Belgium, Sweden, Norway and we have to start a 19-year-old up front or we have to start our third choice up front because we need to save our first choice for Sunday in the league. Yeah, totally agree. Plus, another, if we're going to go back onto the Tifty's hotline questions, the carefully crafted questions from the prof, if we're going to look back on a big season for somebody, how do you top your season if you're Gaffney? Oh, how can he top that? Do you know what I mean? Like that's the pressure. Is it pressure he's under? He's well able for it. But he might increase the goal tally. But in terms of meaningful goals, oh, spectacular goals, all around performances, really has to outdo himself. Very hard. But like I said, we do, we do, we could do with a player or two. Let's be honest, and hopefully um, we get one pushed over the line soon enough, and the poor strings get open. So, um, like we said, it's 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 the countdown is on, prof. We got Lucan this week. Looking forward to it. And we've season ticket sales as well. Oh, just 3,300 sold by Christmas Eve. 3.5 last year. So 3,650 sold by Saturday. Prof, the whole South Stand is sold out. You cannot get a ticket for the South Stand. <laughs> Any spares? You cannot walk up and get a ticket for the South Stand. That is unbelievable stuff. So next big one is the Fiddle of North. Well, listen, I'm looking for two spares at home to Cork on the Monday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just just gives a show so uh, um, what we were talking about as well is something that can exist so we can get some revenue in would be is it possible is there schemes that go around Scotland England all over the world where let's say I know I'm away with my kids on holiday and I have two season tickets and three kids tickets can I say to the club okay I'm definitely not going to be here you can mm reissue a paper ticket for anybody who needs it and buy it you know what I mean cash sales that would make sense yeah, yeah. it would wouldn't it but I, I know it's all about what if they just turn up and then the sales stands oversold and then you know, <laughs> I don't know either way yeah. it's it's just a thought that, that, I, that I had so 3,650 that's that's brilliant going uh, I th- I'm pretty sure we've, we've broken the record there by a few hundred from last season uh, the season ticket record mm-hmm. not everyone got theirs by Christmas morning which the word grumbles about grumbles but uh, they are fantastic figures and um, we're doing something right prof that's that's what we have to say yeah so the pre-season games Gare um, oh sorry. no the ultras donation ultras, yeah, yeah. the ultras so do you know that's outstanding that's great crack to be in and the flares and the atmosphere and all well that is kind of it's, it's done by people certain people and individuals they're called ultras so we're having a donation every year they, they do every year they want to put a few quid together and Flags, TIFO, flares, materials, spray paint, all these things cost money and big money as well. And for all the ultras do, we're having a donation drive. It's PayPal. If you want to get involved, it's srfcultrasdublin at gmail.com. They accept Revolut as well. Check out our socials. We're advertising it. They're advertising it at the South Stand on Instagram. Check out the Rovers chat. Yeah, a lot of these fantastic displays come from your uh, generous funds so yeah. definitely do give what you can so it's something that we do every year try and get a few quid over to them as well because it does adds to the atmosphere and that is part of the reason that the South Stand is sold out you cannot buy a ticket for the South Stand next year it's sold out mm. season tickets alone so 
<laughs> yeah, preseason games, prof. This season, this week coming up against Shawzy, Daddy Cool is back. Lucan, Roadstone, three o'clock, fourteenth of January, and then you have the usual two games a day. You have twenty fourth of January versus Bray. That's gonna be eleven. Now we know so, we've no venues yet. This is a rough guide. I think they're all at Roadstone except for Galway away in February. Yeah, so that's that the looks fourth. like to be so no carry away. Disappointingly, we were yeah. hoping for that one. So 24th of January we have Bray and Cove and then we've got 28th of January we have Treaty and Wexford so you're going for the usual 11 4 o'clock kickoffs. 4th of Feb we have Waterford and then the club will travel down to Galway for a little trip away. A few yeah. points down in Galway. And then the 10th of Feb the, the President's Cup. This is something that has totally slipped my mind. And it's away. It's dirty away. So surely there's going to be a bit of an appetite for that. Hard to know actually. No one's talked about it. No one's talked about it. Hard there. to know what sort of crowd we're going to have with that. Yeah. Just the fact that it's the first game of the season, the appetite will be there. Yeah. But it, it is the President's Cup, so hard to gauge. Um, no date yet for the Leinster Senior Cup. Disgusted um, the prof is. We're uh, home to UCD, and if we win that, New Oaks boys from Carlow or Bray Wanderers away from home. Could be going to Carlow. Bo's got a uh, handy with the Wexford. Nice little trip down the works for a few strawberries. <laughs> and, uh, but um, yeah, if you, I don't know if you saw on my Twitter, I, I resurrected the hashtag LSC facts. Oh, I could see, I could see you, you know, you, I could see you rubbing the legs when, when the Lens <laughs> Senior Cup came out, you're like, oh. And I, I'd heard about the date, it was supposed to be Tuesday night at seven. So I prepared for it, I was like, right, I'm going to tweet my facts that morning. And literally just as about to start at eleven. Someone replies to me, go, yeah, the draw's been postponed. <laughs> and I was like, that is classic. I actually was straight away, I was like, oh. Brian McKenna goes, of course it is. The mm. notebook is probably waterlogged. Um, and then it was rearranged for the next day. And then Who, who uh, shuffled the balls? Uh, I don't recognise those people. It was on the, it was on the LFA uh, Facebook page. But of course they recorded in portrait mode. So you had to like turn your head oh, to what it's just fuck's sake. It's, it's pure Lancer Senior It's cup, pure Lancer Senior, yeah. Dermot Looney goes, had to stop watching the draw because the film was sideways and I was getting a creak in my neck. <laughs> ne- never changed Leinster FA. Yeah, so And there was one story I didn't include in my facts because someone sent me privately. I don't know how I don't know how pu- public it is, but it's so funny. It's just it's it just ha- I have to say. Um so anonymous source, let's say. The trophy went missing between 2018 and 2019. <laughs> now, we may have some idea of why it went missing for a period anyway. He gave it back, though. He, he did give he it back. He did give it back. The Leinster FA Blazers arrived at the final in 2019 at Richmond Park with a cheap trophy in a Dunn's plastic bag with the words Coca-Cola Cup on it. Some kids underage thing. And that's what was presented to Pats when they won it. Fuck off. Seriously? Yep. They they got something called a Coca-Cola Cup. It wasn't even the Lens Senior Cup and they got that? Nope. My God, it's fucking amateur <laughs> hour, isn't it? Amateur hour. Uh, even just to go off topic, actually, because this is something... I actually wanted to ask you what you thought of this. We, I, I put it into the group briefly and it didn't get much, much response, but um, we were talking about this the other night. Fergal, actually, from the four profs, because he he's not a football guy, he's a guy guy. And he was wondering, obviously the guy has good infrastructure, and he was wondering about it. He was wondering what the story was. So, 
Um, if you were to get an investment, if you were to get, like, let's say the government gave five million to Rovers, what would you do with a force? What's the first thing you would do? What do you think is the one hundred percent the right thing to do that's needed? All clubs, they all get five million. What's the first step? There's more. There's further stages to the Rosestone yeah. training facility, isn't there? There's yeah. not. There's one to do more there. The football building. Yeah, yeah. I'd be going with infrastructure as well. Now I'd be mm. going with something along the lines of that. I think stadium. Paul McGrath. He said stadia. He has to be the first one. I think ultimately, if you're going to have a plan, and let's say the FAI who are broke as fuck, who will never be able to give anybody any funding towards this, but if you are to do it, and you were to go forward with this, with this structure. And I think it's all about getting your stadium better. If you improve a stand, let's say for instance Hunky Dory Park, they get a new stand, lick of paint, new toilets, stuff like that. The whole town are gonna hear about this being done up and then they're gonna build up to the first game of the new reopening of the re renovated Hunky Dory Park Stadium. And then it goes from there and then you work on that. I think that's For other teams, yeah, but in our case we're just finishing off our fourth stand. So yeah. where do we go? I'd say we go Roadstone, make it a better base to produce players and finally get the bricks <laughs> we want the bricks, bricks in the north stand but it is it's a good conversation it's good for the pub it's good for the pub couple of points start playing paying players 10 grand a week and uh, win the group stages <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. but uh, that is it for this week Prof it's great to be back Prof it's pre-season the countdown is on and we are looking forward to looking on Saturday so uh, yeah we'll hopefully see you in the Rollstone 3 o'clock kickoff and keep on hooping see ya Bye.